Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Brent, this is episode number 23, buddy. We've almost got a baker's dozen in the book. How about it? Now, now I want donuts. <laughs> <laughs> donuts? Mmm, donuts. donuts. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Hey, dude, what's going on, man? It's been a few weeks since we've recorded, so we're back for our February, tw- what, 2015 episode? I'm still writing checks with 2014, man. I'm sorry. I'm still writing it with You're the Pig. <laughs> That'd be the Chinese yes, version whatever. of that number, wouldn't it? All right. Well, we are back for episode number 23. And uh, Brent, let's just go ahead and roll right into it, man. We've got a lot to cover with our updates. We've got a massive amount of stuff to talk about from a you know, a, a reproduction and new products perspective. And we're going to be at the Louisville Arcade Expo here in, what, three weeks, right? It, yes, right at three weeks from the time it's of this coming, recording. It's coming on strong, dude. This is, uh, uh, it's been uh, a gangbusters month for me, I know, trying to get ready for not only the show just other things kind of going on yeah uh stuff going left right and straight i can't keep up with it i, all. I know i know and i guess that's kind of a good problem to have but yeah we're gonna we're, we're going to cover what we're going to be doing for the louisville arcade expo we've got you know a couple of real neat i think little activities planned for that for the listeners and everything so it's going to be a lot of fun but before we roll into that man uh you said you've been going a, a thousand and three different directions absolutely Me? i've been slacking like a like a dog but we'll, we'll get to all that here in a second what all you been up to man well the main things i've had going on are the space invaders uh space invaders deluxe you were cursing that earlier oh today gosh. dude i said brent brent save it for the show man save it for the show don't tell me now I, I don't want to know it's a, so it's, now's the time to like, tell me it's like a movie title so i'm sorry tell us how i have come to hate space invaders deluxe Dude, the whole, that's the whole reason why I've never wanted one of those cabinets. I love to play the game. I've never had the desire to even remotely come close to owning that game. Well, I've got, uh, well, three total. Uh, got, you can keep them. Yeah, I've yeah. got two Deluxes and I've got a Space Invaders. And the Space Invaders, I think I mentioned before, it came from uh, a listener of the show, friend of the show, Steve Ridge. He's been, Him and his son, Michael, yep. has been on the show before. Yep. He had it as uh, part of some pieces he'd bought. He and I had done some trading and I ended up with it. And... and I, I wanted that one. You know, okay. that's kind of, to me, that's that more iconic cabinet. It's the the white and kind of blue-black cabinet. It, it's with it's the, the best looking of the bunch, I think. I think it's great. I, now, I, I like the deluxe cabinets, mm-hmm. the the red. I like the artwork. Oh, yeah, I forgot it. Yeah, I, mean, it I like really, those two. It yeah. really pops, but <laughs> the... Listen, I just, I just flip-flop you like just, a bat, You just go man. with the crowd, don't you, Whitney? <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. I like them both. I think they're both. This cool. started off with you hated it. Now you want both. Yeah, right? it's just keep going, it's man. Because I'll I'll be buying one of them before we go home. I, and I don't want to do you that. A deal. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. So uh, the the Space Invaders cabinet. That's I think I mentioned this on the last show. That yeah. is going to end up in my game room. It's I just like that cabinet. It's so you got, are going to keep it. I'm going to keep that one. Yeah. It's got that kind of right. unique design where it's kind of like stepped, kind of like a gorf. You know yeah. where the I mean, it, is, it is cool looking. I I've, I really like it. And the deluxes yep. I have been getting together to take to Louisville Arcade Expo. We're going to have a couple, hopefully a couple Space Invaders deluxes. You know, back to back. And. I have been fighting. You know, I started off with a couple basically empty cabs, had tubes, uh, good control panels. More or less, the boards were gone, okay. and um, the chassis was gone out of one and half gone out of another. Okay. So we're working, trying to get parts together to put these things together. 
for as many of those that they made, you would not believe how difficult of a time I'm having rounding up board sets. Well, I I almost put that in the same category as a pack or a mispack. Finding good, clean board sets is a lot harder. And pole position as well. A lot harder than it sounds like because there were so many of them out there and they've just been hacked and cut and modded and everything to death. So you've got a thousand examples and only three good ones to choose from. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Now, on the Space Invaders, there, you know, it's a two-piece board set. One of the boards, are it's the same board. Or they're, there's different designs, but they are more or less compatible okay you know back through a lot of those midway early midway games like gunfight and i think sea wolf oh yeah yeah 280 zap and some of the great black and white absolutely absolutely and then the secondary board it's unique to the game okay so space invaders has one deluxe has one and it, it that's been the bear and it's just been you know folks that that are quote unquote in the know that tend to work on these these games they're unavailable at this time of year for other commitments so it's difficult to get a hold of them it's you just, mean there's a seasonal rush on space invader no boards? it's more like a seasonal rush just on life i guess oh, oh, you know, oh my bad other okay, things that go it. on and yeah. it's just okay the arcade stuff has to go to the side okay okay now i get it my yeah, bad. yeah yeah okay and you know just trying just trying to turn up board sets i had most of the stuff i had was the space invaders boards uh-huh. so more or less i have been i have just been working through just trying to round up pieces okay and i actually started like a month ago trying to get ahead of it and it's still just been a pain it's been a pain let me ask you have you resorted to the the source that none of us like to buy from but we all have to buy from from time to time have you looked on ebay yes i have okay all right yes i have all right you know for a game as common as that Mm -hmm. i'm surprised that i I have not come across any so I, I think what's going to end up happening is at least one of them is going to have a Space Invaders set. Either way, uh, they're going to have the Braze kits on them. Just the, it, it's just too easy to pass up. I mean, you get a lot of games. You get some diagnostics. I mean, it's just it's bang for the buck. It's, it's the it's way the, to go. It's the way to go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've got several Braze kits on my Nintendo machines, and they're, they're, they're fantastic. I would not... I would not not have them you yeah know? yeah so ideally i'm going to end up with two deluxe space invaders deluxe board sets for this set of games i'm working on i may end up with one deluxe one regular space invaders but they're both going to have the brace kits on them anyway which will play all the both games plus the additional i think four or five games so i'll get it all together what i was just uh, yesterday, when I talked to you, uh, where I was just like tied in a knot. I can tell, man, you were, you were fit to be tied. I, was, I spent the better part of yesterday with a Space Invader soundboard trying to get uh, the saucer hit sound to work. Hmm. And it's not that com- the, it's not that complex to look at, and it's not that complex to look at on a schematic. Mm-hmm. But it it is obviously beyond my ability, at least at this point in my life, because <laughs> w- what basically the way the sounds are made on that on, on this game is um instead of having like sound samples or something that's that comes out of the game code mm-hmm. they're generating the sound the unique sounds on the as, fly on the fly as yes. part of the hardware yeah and brent's little brain just is not wrapping itself around how this particular circuit works and um Brent almost wrapped his little hand around a hammer and just said i'm going to pound this thing straight into bits <laughs> 
so, that, that's fine. It, and you know, once you destroyed them, it probably wouldn't have changed the odds of finding a good board anyway. So it, I, I would have kind well, of looked it, at it as a as a, uh, a net equal. You know, you know it was gonna it was gonna be just well, it'd be more broke. Yeah, it'd, it'd just broke, be more, more broken. Broke. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I've been. I had <laughs> the namesake been, of the show, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> broken space yeah. invaders. That's right. It's not broken. We're not talking about I think, it. I think that's the show title. <laughs> Whitney Broken Space <laughs> Invaders. Broken Space Invaders. That's right. So yeah, I've been. I had been note of that. hammering away, uh, f- uh, figuratively and almost literally on Space Invaders. I've got all the bits and pieces for for the rest of the game. I've got monitor chassis and all that kind of fun stuff rounded up. Um, actually, last weekend we had a really nice week weekend here in Kentucky, at least in the Louisville area. And I uh, was able to get the cabinets out of the garage and get them really nice and clean. Got them all vacuumed out. Got you know back doors set up and all the control panels cleaned and and the mo- the the tubes cleaned. And so now I'm kind of really down to the point of just getting the last little bits of the electronic side together. Okay. And then a, an assembly. So one way or another, there is going to be a deluxe at the show. At the show. That yeah. hopefully there'll be two. Yeah. But. Um, we'll we'll just see. Yeah. Un- understood. <laughs> yeah. Understood. So the other thing I've been working on, and, the, the, and this has gotten a lot of feedback on Facebook too, man, and, yes. and via email. We'll we'll get into that. I mean, I, I, truthfully, I'm kind of surprised that people have latched onto it uh, the way that they have. I I mean, dude, it's neat. I just didn't figure that there would be that 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 many people who ha- who knew that much about it. I just thought it was a little more niche. It remembered it. I figured it was a little more niche than it than it has proven to be. But that's great, though. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And so. what, what we're talking about is my now. How would you say this, Kitty Rama? That's how I would say a it. Kitty yes. Rama Kitty cartoon Rama. theater. Yeah. Yep. So we talked about it a little bit on the last show, and as Whitney, you mentioned, go out and check the Facebook page. By the time this this is actually this episode's published. I should have the rest of the series of photos out and more or less the, the photos start from how I started and you know the cabinet completely filthy mm-hmm. and for folks that maybe had real quick for folks that didn't catch the last episode or, or don't even know what we're talking about this is um, like um, imagine a photo booth like you would see in, in modern time where you would sit in a photo booth and mm-hmm. those tend to be large enough for two people so this this is uh, a smaller adult can set in this and probably a couple kiddos. Yeah. And um, so you've got this little area that you can get into and there's a screen and what you would do back in the days, you drop a quarter in it. There was a little projector in it. Projector would fire up and you'd watch a cartoon. And, you know, they were like five minute or so cartoons. I, I, I've done a little bit more research into my old research uh, since the last show. And the cartoons were edited down to like five minutes, and they they would run a cartoon. Okay. So you know, mom could put you in the booth, and t- away you went. Drop okay. quarter, away you went. I mean, were, were they were they edited to the point to where they had a beginning and an end, or did you just the five minutes just fire up wherever the reel was, and you just watched five minutes of whatever was next on the reel? No, the the cartoon was well. The, okay, so there's several questions there. Yeah. The cartoon was edited for length, okay. so it had a beginning and an end, and you know probably a few seconds were cut out here and there. Uh, I'm not sure of why it's five minutes, and I'm going back to this having read some uh, posts from Ken Layton, who's a, a very 
Very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable. Very, very common yeah. uh, poster on Clove. He's great. Great resource. A great. Re- and he yeah. had operated some back in the day. Oh, okay. The company that he worked with, they actually had to go back to some of the, the labs and have additional cartridges, film cartridges made up. And then when they did that, you know, because they'd wear them out over time, you know, it, it would just, they would, wow, they were doing uh, an, enough okay. with it, enough, I guess, enough income with it. It was earning enough. It would wear cartridges out. Gosh. Okay. So they'd have to go back to the labs and have some printed. And as part of that, Ken was talking about, we'd have to go to like Walter Lance, his, his company. and Dur- that, Direct to him? Well, I don't know if it was direct to him or the company. Okay. Regardless, before the lab would print any, they would have to get a sign off from the owner of, you know, so if they were doing Woody Woodpecker, which is Walter Lance, they'd say, okay, we want some Woody Woodpecker cartridges. Walter Lance would have to send a thing over and say, yes, for this order, this company uh, is allowed to purchase before the lab would produce it because the copyrights and all that. So there was Walter Lance. I think there were some Terry Tunes. There was a couple that Ken mentioned. And and, and in part of his, his updates and some of his posts about this, he had mentioned it was edited for five minutes. So what what would the magic spot with five minutes is? I, I don't know. That never came out. But to answer your question, you drop the quarter. Uh, it would trip the projector to start. And when when you look, I didn't get a projector in mind. But if you look at the wiring harness, it has this really kind of unique plug, which I take went into the projector kind of like uh, an old school like remote probably a wired remote yeah, like a wired vcr remote exactly or something. Yeah. yeah and what what these projectors were the projectors were like salesman units okay so uh, the the original design of these projectors a lot of them you could take them and they were in like a briefcase you'd open the briefcase up and they had like a little fold-out screen and you would sell your wares and you had some little movie that you could play okay so what I'm envisioning is is there was a remote control function. The film had uh, a, a key in it, a hole in it, that the projector would sense, and that would auto-stop it. So okay, then you probably, you know, I'm guessing, you know, I remember, do you remember back in the day, um, a uh, uh, like a slide projector back in school, and there was a wired remote, mm-hmm. and, you know, the teacher could hit it, and it would yeah. throw us. That's yeah. what I'm envisioning with this. You know, yeah. you're doing it would your, advance the carousel and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You're doing your spiel, and you're like, okay, well, let me show you my new Wizbang Gizmo, and you hit the button, and it would run the video, and then it would auto stop, and then you could, as a salesman, pick back up. And yeah, go. pick back up. Yeah, okay. So that's what was in these things was was a little projector, and in the case of my theater. Uh, the projector that it was designed for projected up and there was a mirror mounted in it which would reflect that into a screen that was in the viewing area okay so what would you say the dimensions are on that Whitney it's I'd say it's probably about 20, 20, 22 inches deep. Deep, yeah. It's it's probably right at the depth of a Nintendo cabinet, okay, from uh, a Nintendo cabinet's width, okay? And, and that's, a lot of times, that's how I, I think about arcade stuff, is is it bigger or smaller than, than a Nintendo cabinet? Height-wise, I'm going to say, Brent, it's maybe five... I'd say right about five feet. Five feet, yep. maybe just a hair taller than that. And probably uh, about four wide. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'd say four. Yeah. Four wide. Yeah. Yeah. So this five by four by two. Let's let's think about it like that. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And then if you look at it all the way around it, there's artwork, you know, like on one side, there's um, Woody Woodpecker and uh, color artwork. And on the on one side, there's Inspector Willoughby. 
who I, I think he was a Walter Lance. I, uh, Dave, uh, Dave, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, um, um, help me here, Life Under Glass. That's uh, oh, David Paul. David Paul. Yes. Not David Paul. It'll hit me here in a minute. So one of our one of our listeners helped me out here on Facebook. Hale, James Hale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah James. Yeah, yeah, he mentioned he mentioned that, that that was Inspector Willoughby. Yeah. And then once I looked it up, then I remembered it. Okay. And then there's another character on there that I don't know to save my life. It's a cat with dollar signs in his eyes. I have no I idea. Have no idea. I don't remember yeah. that one. So you could actually set this thing out in the middle of a mall, and it had art all the way around it to attract people. Mom could come up. Dad could come up, drop a quarter in it, put kiddo in it, watch a cartoon. Okay. So anyway, I have been working on that uh, as well this month, trying to kind of get it all together. I didn't have a projector in it. So what I ended up doing is I I put a PC in it. I put mm-hmm. a, ra- a Linux-based Raspberry Pi single board computer in it mm-hmm. and wrote a little piece of software in a, a scripting language called Python. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm going to actually when i bring it back i'm going to convert it so that i can do a coin drop on it to start the, the movie just okay. like i did just like it did back in the day okay uh, my game room runs on on quarters yeah. so i still have coin mix and everything and i have quarters of it i provide the quarters yeah and kind of give you that that old school feel so uh that's what i want to do with this but right now it just runs in a loop it just runs a cartoon it'll run a countdown timer like a film strip timer mm-hmm. it'll run a cartoon and then it'll run another countdown another cartoon and it just goes in a loop I've, uh, through the month, been working on just all the little bits and pieces to put this thing together. So, you know, uh, mounting the display in it, changing the screen out, um, really hiding the monitor so that it, you know, it doesn't look like it's a, it's a monitor inside, inside the viewing area. Okay. Um, you know, f- figuring all the wiring out, where everything's going to go. I put a, a VGA amp slash splitter in it so and a 25 foot vga cable coming out the top of it and what i'm going to do at the show at louisville arcade expo which is actually the destination for this this was my goal was to take this little arcade expo okay i'm going to set a table next to it with an external monitor and external set of speakers so that anybody in the crowd could watch what's going on so you can be in in the little theater and you can watch or you can watch from the outside Yeah. okay cool you know it's not just limited to one or two little kids or whatever that can kind of get in it and whoever can crowd around it because it's it's hard to watch from the outside it's not made for that it is no it's it's definitely a personal experience so um but very neat it's in really really good shape well it cleaned up very well i ended up uh touching the artwork up uh it's got aluminum trim on all the corners so i remade new uh, aluminum trim for it polished the coin mech out it kind of got a unique different kind of coin door thing on it the the whole side of the cabinet if anything opens up and it would access originally you know what was originally the film projector so you could change films if you want it would uh, access the coin mechanism it would yeah. access the coin box with it. so uh the the whole side of it's a coin door if you yeah, will yeah okay but the mech area was it was kind of rough so that took a little work buffed and polished that out and i, I think it has really come out really really nice oh it is it's it's very very nice looking whitney is actually it's to my back right now it's sitting here in my basement running kind of like a burn-in mm-hmm. i've had it running i think about 14 hours straight now just to kind of make sure it's it's foolproof. And yeah, it's running a Gumby cartoon right yeah, it's, now. Yeah, right now it's running Gumby. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I keep catching Whitney's eye, look over there yeah, at it. So, yeah. But yeah, it's it's actually running behind me and set, set up just as it's going to be uh, ideally here at Louisville Arcade Expo. Yeah. A uh, couple shout-outs 
Sean O'Shea, the unofficial production assistant of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball <laughs> Podcast. We'll see him in a few weeks. Yeah, he's coming into what Louisville. What up, Sean? He, uh, he reached out to me on Facebook, and he offered some help on the, on the Linux side and the Python side. And, Sean, I appreciate that. I, I haven't had to, to use it yet. Admittedly, what I've done from, a, from an operating system perspective has been, has been pretty simple. And a few things that I've done that have been kind of off the hook, I've uh, just kind of jumped in honestly and researched a little bit to try to try to relearn some Linux. It's been years since I've been in that fi- in in that operating system, so I haven't played in that field in a while. But I may reach out to you here before uh, before too long, because of uh, the second shout out, Mr. Phil Shepard. He is uh, he and I have been trading some emails back and forth. One of the things I wanted to do with the Raspberry Pi, the computer that's in this uh, in in the theater, is I wanted the whole thing to operate like a piece of commercial equipment i wanted to just be able to turn it on and it does its thing well that that's pretty easy with with uh you know uh, the script that i wrote and, and how you can set it up just to automatically start and then you plug it in and it'll just do its thing the thing i was having problems with was i just want to be able to shut it off mm-hmm. you know my game room runs on a master switch and i hit one switch the whole thing goes off and you know think of you know i can turn that pac-man off over there it doesn't care yeah yeah I didn't want to have to go and do a proper shutdown on a computer. So uh, um, there's a couple ways that, that I had in mind. And I know this is possible because a lot of your mega touches, they're Linux. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this on the last show. A lot of your yeah. sit-down drivers, they're Linux. Yeah. And, and they've got full PCs in them. The Raspberry Pi is a little different animal in terms of how it works and how it's a quote-unquote computer. So... One of the things that I was trying to figure out, um, I really couldn't figure out. I, I knew what the concept was, and I won't get into it here. I knew the concept of it, but I couldn't figure out a way to do it on the Pi. And and Phil was kind enough to send me a couple links. Apparently, the the times I was researching trying to do this, my Google foo wasn't real good that day. And uh, uh, Phil sent me a pretty cool. Fingers were tired. Yeah, I was just it was. I was yeah. worn out. Yeah. Uh, too much space invaders work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. So Phil sent me this pretty cool in-depth write-up on how to more or less make this make a Raspberry Pi power tolerant. Oh, I see. So I, I'm gonna really I'm gonna look into it because what I ended up doing on the theater was I, I went at it big hammer. I went at it with hardware, mm-hmm. and I bought a little. I was I was looking at making one, and someone produced a little board that was a UPS, mm-hmm. and it would sense when the power was lost, and it would run the Pi, the Raspberry Pi, on battery. Okay. And then you know if the power was gone for so many seconds, then it would go ahead and shut the shut the the Raspberry Pi down correctly. Okay. And you know that that was that was perfect. Turned out the board I bought had a manufacturing flaw. They weren't real honest about it. And instead of running it on six AA batteries, then I had to go with yet an even bigger hammer. And now the UPS in it runs off of a 12-volt sealed lead-acid battery. Oh, I see. And then I had to actually put a little little uh, step-down converter in there to go from the 12 to the to 9 volts that, w- that, that it wants to run off of. So yeah. I kind of double-big hammered it. It works. It works very, very well. Mm-hmm. But... I, you know, I've got some things in my mind down the road to do with Raspberry Pis, like mods for, like pinballs or other devices. It's it's too big of a footprint. Mm-hmm. You know, the Pi is a board about twice the size of a credit card, mm-hmm. and you know it runs off of uh, a US little USB wall wart. 
very small, very compact, very powerful. I don't need this huge mon- monolithic UPS power solution. So, yeah. Phil, I appreciate that. I am going to check it out. I've already gotten a, a second Raspberry Pi that I can use to kind of work with since this one's tied up in in the cartoon theater. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to experiment with it, hopefully, you know, um, once I get past Space Invaders. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... It, I would say that the proof's in the pudding. It's it's a good looking it's a good looking uh, cartoon booth, and I, I think everybody who sees it and you know gets experience it we, is going to be pretty impressed. We need to get a picture of you in it. A picture of me in it. I'm a big guy, man. I, I can I just fit in it. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. We, we can certainly give it a shot. I, I don't know, man. I. I tend to consume a lot of the space that I'm in, so <laughs> you can't see this in Whitney's eyes, but he's got a genuine look of concern. Yeah, I do, I do, because I think I'm going to have to sit in it with one leg out or something like that. It'll be like you know when you're asleep and you get too hot and you kick a leg out under the covers to cool you back down. Yep. that'll be one of these scenarios. At a minimum, you know, we'll have to take a picture. Uh, of it like at least me in it or one of us or both of us standing next to it so people can get an idea of its size Size, yeah yeah because it's it with no no frame of reference it's difficult to tell well well, and when i quoted the size i think i quoted it wrong i should have quoted it length by width by height so it'd be four by two by five at that point just to get just to get it properly said but i mean it's not that big but it's also not trivial it's not trivially small either you know i mean it's it's got some it's got some space to it, and I would say what it takes up easily the space of two arcade games, easy. Oh yeah, it, yeah. it will. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a little narrower than two arcade games. Yeah, it, it is. the uh, the The way to get into the theaters on on a long side, so you'd have to put it in the space of two easily. Easily, yes, yes, yeah. Otherwise, you'd have to walk around it every time to get in it, and then that kind of defeats the purpose yeah. of it being there. So, yeah. And before anyone awesome. asks, I have not touched the burger time. Yeah, well, it's sitting in the corner of my shop next to my Space Invaders. I, I went ahead and pulled that the Space Invaders I'm keeping down okay. because it was complete, yeah. and I started with that so that I had a test bed to work toward getting the deluxes going. So. Well, you know something, man? Yeah, you know, the good thing about this hobby is there's, you know, there's always tomorrow, and we're on no certain certain schedule. The end result is what matters, but I'll be looking forward to you getting back to that as well, as I'm sure you know quite a few people will. But after Expo, man, then we can, you know, hopefully you can roll back onto it. So, Whitney, that has been my action-packed month. How about you? Well, dude, speaking speaking of uh, making no progress on something, I've been uh, working on the Zookeeper and making no progress on it at all. Uh, I've Brent, I've had to travel quite a bit for work this month, and so I've found myself over the past four weeks in three different cities, and that just really eats into uh, the time that I've got to work on <laughs> the arcade games in my basement. You know, for for good or bad. I, what I have done is I finished up uh, the Fastener rehab on it, and Brent, I will say this. It takes a little bit of time, but it is well worth it to do it. Uh, just going through and just you know, just sanding and painting all the bolts, all the fasteners on it, and just making it look consistent without everything being rust colored and and just really kind of pale and and you know, kind of off silver, I guess. So I, did did you do the uh, chuck them up in a drill and sand them type of a deal, or did you tumble them? So 
I started I started one way and finished another. Okay, so the way that I started is I would just hit uh, I just hit them with sandpaper and then throw them into the tumbler to let the tumbler do the work. Okay. What I've since come to realize is that the, the tumbler is not going to do all of the work that I could do with the sandpaper. So I was really just kind of throwing them in the tumbler and walking away and saying, oh, the tumbler will get it for me no, overnight. What, and media, I'm done. what media were you using? Uh, I was using some of the, the larger, the, the little, um, it's like in a pyramid shape. Yeah, okay. It's That's like the, what I was it's like the I rust, just got some of that. It's the yeah. rust cutting media, yeah. and, it, and it does a good job. But it only, to me though, it only seems to go so far. And I was always having to go ahead and finish it up with, with sandpaper and, and cut, you know, finish the cut with sandpaper. So at the end of it, Brent, I just, I just did everything with sandpaper. And so just uh, what I do is just uh, put it, uh, put it in a drill to hold it. I'd use the drill to hold it, which would actually do a pretty decent job. Cut it with sandpaper, and then at the end, just spin it real quick, just to make sure that everything's, everything around the edge is done. And Brent, I got it. I, I did the second half about twice as fast as I was able to do the first half. You know, the funny thing is, is I, I put the, uh, there was a few carriage bolts that came out of the coin mechanism, coin door area mm-hmm. for the, the the cartoon theater. Yeah. And I did the same thing. I threw them in my tumbler and I used that saying that rust cutting media. Mm-hmm. And it got just to the point where it was it, it was not gaining any ground. No, it it just gets to the point where it does so much work, and then it does no additional work, right. and that's that. Well, I, I even ran them for a night with uh, um with the crushed walnut media that I use like for all the pinball machine parts. And mm-hmm. man, when I do like pinball hardware, it comes out looks it looks like a mirror. It's beautiful. Yeah. Carriage bolts were like, no, nah, nah, we're not having any, nah, any of that. No, no, it's it just seemed like a, a point of diminishing return. So I just hit them by hand. Got them finished up, and and man, Brent, I've I've gotten to the point where I can paint a lot of bolts at one time. I think I mentioned this on the last episode. In fact, I know I did by using the whole pizza box method, just punching the holes in, in in the pizza box and going that way and just painting them up. But man, I've got them all looking very consistent, looking very nice, and um, you know, got everything reinstalled. So now that I've got the entire cabinet cleaned. Okay, and I think I talked through that whole process of using the the Wesley's bleach white and the simple green and and then the magic eraser. So I've gotten the cabinet completely cleaned and the fasteners redone. I'll say this, after doing all of that and then putting a new base on it, the ca- the cabinet looks like a million bucks compared to what it did when we pulled it off the truck. Okay? It looks, it, it it looks good then. Oh, but I'm telling you what, it looks it looks sweet now at this point, okay? So, where I'm at right now, I'm pretty much done with the cosmetics. Uh, outside of, I have to install a new CPO, okay? And I also have to um, do something with the coin door. It's it's looking pretty faded and pretty ragged, so I'll probably wind up, you know, citrus stripping that and then just reshooting the coin door. But now, Brent, it's time to start working on the board. So, I've got the board set broken down, and I've started removing... Uh, started removing all all the connectors, you know, all, all the header pins on the boards in, in order to go ahead and, and put, uh, you know, put the square header pins back on it and everything like that. So that's where I'm at right now. I've not, I've not made the progress that I've wanted to make. And I'm sure with, uh, with Arcade Expo coming up, I'll make, uh, I'll make even less than that. I was really wanting to take it to Expo, but it's just, it's just not going to be ready at this point. Well, I know you've been on the road quite a bit. You and I haven't had much of a t- chance to just actually talk i know mm. we've texted quite a bit yeah. you, you just work has really had you running oh it has like, like i said in three weeks i've been to three different cities you know and so i 
when when that's and I'm not complaining about it. It's just it's just the way that things go, <laughs> and so that's that's your job, that's your career, and, and that's what you have to take care of. Uh, one thing though that I did get to do, and I thought this was uh, I thought this was really cool, is uh, I did get to go up as one of one of the weeks where I was uh, traveling. I did get to go to Cincinnati, and I got to spend some time with a friend of the show, Carrie Cheney, and Carrie was nice enough to open up uh, his arcade on a weeknight, Brent, and we went in and played games and pinball for about an hour to an hour and a half just me and him oh that's and cool dude, i got to play computer space for the very first time in my life i i didn't expect much out of playing that i went at it with really no expectations of it really being all that good i was surprised that there is as much game there as it is i'm not saying that it's anything that i would uh immediately pine for or bump up the list but it was neat to get to play such a pivotal part of arcade history for the first time so did, it's neat did you uh, uh figure out that you could curve the bullets yes it was, and, it was and, like and, playing combat and, on the it, atari it is, 2600 it, but it's like combat plus you yeah. know i mean it's neat and i didn't immediately realize that neither Carrie, did i Carrie yeah. pointed it out he goes hey man rotate after you shoot and i'm like really Okay, whoa, look at that. And then you could steer the bullet around to try to hit one of the ships. Early, uh, early guided missile. Exactly. So knowing what's going on inside that game, how the control panel's constructed, and, and really uh, you know, what's going on with the PCBs, and that there, there being real, no real game logic there, it's, it's, all, it's all discrete, all TTL. It's, it's all completely old school if if we can even use that term it's actually amazing that that game works the way that it does so i appreciate it for what it was i didn't try to compare it against you know pac-man or donkey kong or anything like that because you really can't you just have to take it for what it is it was actually very fun to play it was neat when i played it i had had and i had to think back to um when i had a four-player williams pro tennis here which is basically a four-player pong. Pong, yeah. And next to his computer space, Whitney has. Carrie um, has. Or uh, yeah. Whitney. <laughs> but I am going. Se- God I love am, you. Space Invaders has got me going <laughs> six hundred directions. I can't keep up with it. Um, he had a he had a another Williams two-player. I think it was a which one was? Do you remember? It was a pong game next to it. It is it's paddle ball. Paddle ball. That's what that it was. Is. It's paddle, paddle ball. ball. I think that was. Yeah. I, if memory serves me, correctly. I say Williams. If I if I'm wrong, I apologize. Oh, it is. It, it is was Williams. It? Yeah, it's the Williams cabinet, paddle ball. The cabinet was similar to the one I had. It looks about like a pong machine. Yeah, it looks like yeah. about like a pong machine. You're exactly right. So, yeah, it's, it's really neat. When, when I mess, was messing with that that pro tennis, and it's you know it's all TTL logic. It's all implemented in counters, and this tracks this, and this implement uh, increments that. And I was trying to do a little troubleshooting on it, and I was reading on early game design using just nothing but logic, as opposed to actually a computer where you write a program. You know, like Pac-Man. I know. I know. Yeah, Pac-Man has a processor, yes. and the ROMs are the program. Yes, it has assembler code in there that runs. Right. This isn't even that. No. I, 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 it made my head spin. Yes. And, I, and it's a shout-out to the guys, you know, uh, Dabney and Alcorn and the guys that, that made that machine and knew how to, and knew how to build a game with that. Oh yeah, because you it's utterly unreal. You, you you look at it and you think it's very trivial. You're okay. Well, there's uh, a center dotted line that's the net, and then there's a line around the edge that's the 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 field or your yeah. or your court. Yeah. You, 
you just don't write that in a program and no. tell the tell the quote unquote computer to re- draw that. Yeah. No, you yeah. no, you have to draw it with what you know those chips do, and that. Yeah, it, it was just neat. I mean, you're standing there, you're standing there, kind of soaking it it's, in. It's it's insane it to is. think about it. It, it. it very well is. Uh, one thing that we were able to do though is uh, an, another uh, friend of the show, uh, Victor Marland, who uh, who's one of the hosts of the Ten Pence uh, Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. Uh, he had been talking with Carrie about getting some pictures uh, for a death race that he has recently acquired. And Carrie and I pulled out that death race and we got her cameras and we snapped a bunch of pictures. Oh, that's for awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we were able to get him taken care of. That that had been a couple of months in the Victor, making. I owe Victor an email. So uh, yeah. hopefully I, hopefully by the time he hears this, he's gotten it. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, we were, we were just trying to help Vic out. And uh, I know he's got his hands full on a restoration of a death race. And Carrie's works and works really well. And so we, we took pictures of the harness uh, harness connectors the you know the tube the the monitor chassis and just you know a litany of things that hopefully will help victor out so uh so brent in between uh the tra- in between me traveling and everything um i know this is probably a little bit of a of a of a basic topic but i think it has relevance to everybody here in the hobby and at some point you know i probably ought to do a blog post on this or or a facebook post or however this goes but man you know, when we take games to expos or when you're out, you know, buying games or whatever, one of the things that I've always been challenged with is is having enough of the proper tools with me. So I have been building out what I'll call my second box. And uh, it's it's really a series of two two boxes, a toolbox and then a solder box to where I can take, you know, uh, essentially a, a mobile soldering setup with me. Uh, as well as everything that I would need from a from a tool set perspective, you know, nut drivers, wrenches, uh, you know, multimeters, you know, snips and pliers and everything like that, and have been building out what I would essentially call a, you know a ready to roll scenario where I could walk over, grab two handles, and pretty much have everything that I need to work on games or to, you know, uh, f- you know, field field repair or whatever whatever you want to call that uh, while you're out and traveling. And I know that it's not something that I'll have a lot of need for. But that being said, uh, by the time that you uh, by the time that you're working on games in your game room, and if you don't want to haul a game all the way back to your work area, or you're, you're just wanting to see if you can get something working, you know, outside or this or that, it really minimizes a lot of walking back and forth and raiding your own toolbox well, and losing tools well, as you well. S- you say that you won't get a lot of use for it, and let me tell you, I, let me tell you where you're wrong. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> exactly. I have. I've already built a box. Okay. And perhaps when you do yours, maybe we should just, you know, take a snap a couple of pictures we of should. just what I've got set up. Yeah, yeah, we should. I've got a uh uh you know our our favorite place to shop, Harbor Freight. <laughs> I've just got one of their like um aluminum sided just carry along kind of toolboxes uh-huh. you know with little pockets and stuff is in it. yours the one that opens from the top no in, in, it's in, not okay gotcha yeah that's my, the one that i got mine opens up like a briefcase okay all yeah. right we definitely need to take some pictures because it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it'll be interesting to compare and contrast what we've done and okay cool yeah and, and then i've got a um like a tool bag that's got soldering equipment in it mm-hmm. and where you're wrong is when you go to look at a game uh-huh the first thing you'll do is you'll go grab that box. That's probably true. Because probably true. if you're sitting there and you're like, well, do you have a screwdriver? I, I've been in plenty of households where folks don't have basic tools. They just 
that's something they do. And that, I guess it's kind of foreign to me because I, I think that I, I think that running a household is almost impossible without a certain amount of tools. And I guess the reason why I say I don't really know how much use I'm going to get out of it is because for for the most part, most everything that I fix around my house, I take down to my workroom and I've got everything there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, man, I've got a full mechanics toolbox set up, ready to go where I where I've, I'm very well, um, I'm very flush with tools, fortunately. OK, from that regard. So I don't really have to work on a lot of stuff outside of that environment. But more times than not as I even just moving around the house it's like man I can't take all that stuff with me and so just walking back and forth man I'll kill 30 minutes a day you know just in steps walking back and forth places it's like man I I need a I I need a 70-30 split where I've got 70% of what I need with me all the time and the other 30% um I'm probably covered otherwise you know and so it just comes to that what did you do like um I'm, I'm guessing you put a, a selection of nut drivers. We don't have to get super deep into yeah. it, but right now, this is something we should probably cover. We, we should. But we should. I, I know where I want to go with this to talk to folks about it, but let me ask you, where did you do uh, for like... Um, so I'm assuming you got a selection of nut drivers, mm-hmm. a basic selection of yeah. like a combination SA, wrenches. SA and metric and everything. Did yeah. you? Where did you go to get those? Okay. So uh, a lot of what I've gotten... Um, and I, I kind of violated the whole Harbor Freight principle. Uh, I've, most of what I've gotten, I've gotten at either Home Depot or Lowe's, okay? Because um, for some of the tools, I, I mean, man, as much as I like Harbor Freight, some of the tools that they sell there just don't have a good feel to them. Yeah. And so um, for something that I want, for something that, okay, how can I say this? For something that I don't mind to use and tear up, Harbor Freight is great, okay? For mm-hmm. something that I know that I'm going to use a lot or you you really appreciate a high-quality feel to it, it, then, then I'm I'm going to look I'm going to look elsewhere. Yeah. That is the best way to say that. So, well, Harbor Freight's great for some stuff. Uh, it's great for a lot some stuff, but other <laughs> things. I just the wrenches. You, I you, want a really nice polished wrench that feels good in your hand. Yep. Uh, you know, a, a nice nut driver set up, and so I, I will. I'll either go to Sears or Home Depot or Lowe's and, and pick those up, and that's the way that I did that. So where I was going with that was anybody out there looking to do this? Yeah. Hey, that's a great idea. Maybe I should build a. You know, spend a little time, yeah. you know, before you go out and you buy Class A tools for uh, a box that's not going to get a yeah. lot of use. I would say I've got Class B, you know, yeah. in that box and nice enough to where you don't mind using them, but not so expensive that you've just got a lot of money sitting around. And if somebody, you know, uh, I'd hate to even think this, but if somebody decided they wanted your nut driver more than you did at a show, yeah, you're not... Now, like if you look inside the box that I've got, I do have like a set of Harbor Freight combination wrenches. Mm-hmm. If you if you there's actually tiers of some of the tools at Harbor Freight. There there are, and you can get a, a reasonable kind of like a box wrench with like a polished feel. That's right. But you know if you catch sales at Sears, you can get Craftsman brand <laughs> for darn for, close, uh, darn close, and so so here's a good example of that. Like the ratchets at Harbor Freight are actually pretty decent, but the upper end ones, the upper end ones are good. Right. The polished ones that the broken back ones that, that mm-hmm. have the neck that will swivel and everything like that, uh, or the or the ones that are polycarbonate. Their their polycarbonate ratchets are actually pretty good. They dent though, but they've got a really nice light feel to them. You know to to use them. 
That being said, their sockets, no way. I wouldn't buy. I wouldn't buy any socket at Harbor Freight because they're they're very. You can tell they're they're the chrome vanium that's really soft, mm-hmm. and and ninety percent of the sockets at Harbor Freight are twelve point. So they're probably going to wind up rounding off, you know, yep. rounding off a, a nut head or something like that, or a bolted rather, or, or a nut. And for that, I would go to Lowe's or, or or Home Depot or Sears and get a really nice six point setup. Okay, there, so you do have to pick and choose. There's a craftsman set, and the name of it, I think it's Evolve. Okay. And it, I think that's what it is. It's uh, So you can go and you can buy the Craftsman Evolve tools, and they're a little, they're nicely made, but they're a little cheaper than the normal Craftsman line. Okay. You know, and, and then... Th- the the upper end stuff you're you're in your snap-ons yeah, and your mocks and all that stuff and <laughs> Whitney ain't doing that yeah I'm not I'm not yeah, doing, I'm that. Not doing I've, that I've got that's crazy talk man for, for yeah, what for we're a second doing box setup, yeah for that's what we're crazy. doing yeah. if, if it was every day day in day out and we were doing heavy heavy work yeah, I could see that then that's yeah. different I could justify that but like the craftsman stuff they have this evolve line and they're okay. they're nice and they're a little cheaper than the normal craftsman stuff and that's the set of sockets that I've got in mind okay. you know I want because I the same thing I didn't want to use the the you know what out of a nine sixteenths taking pinball legs on and off and then be halfway through putting a pinball together and the socket split it, and it and it will if it even if if it starts getting warm or you get it on halfway or or kind of kind of crooked or something you put enough torque on it yeah it, yeah the, the lesser sockets will, will go ahead and split or, or you know crack or whatever but now I've got the full on out Craftsman nut drivers because no one that I found I think I've got Husky I, yeah. I found those after those yeah. are from Home Depot they are from yeah. Home Depot yes they're hollow right they are yes but they're also um, they're very meaty they're, they're the substantial handle, the handles are huge on them man well, I'm talking so, about I'm talking about the shaft where the the yeah, actual the tool head they, they are as well yeah they're they're very nice looking and nice feeling mm-hmm. uh, tools so and that, yeah I'm very I was happy look, with that. I was looking for something that was that didn't look like it was going to break yeah but uh, had a hollow shaft yeah and a lot of the things that were just kind of in that all right well I'm just going to throw it in a in a temporary use use it five percent of the time box yeah that price range in my mind they were just real cheap and you know sitting there on the shelf the chroming was already starting to flake off of them i'm like no it's like no i'm not not buying that you and you can catch a break on on a lot of the craftsman stuff like i said on sale or the husky stuff or whatever so yeah if you're looking to do it think about what you want and then spend a little time you know don't get in a hurry oh no no you can do it very inexpensively no and i've been i've been working on this probably over the past six six to eight weeks or so just a little here a little there one thing that i have found to be extremely useful and i'll pass this on on you know as a a pro tip or whatever you want to hashtag pro tip whatever you want to call it but um Man, I have been buying plastic pencil boxes at Amazon. I've gotten quite a few of those. And does put, Walmart not have plastic pencil boxes? I like Amazon, so <laughs> it's it's more fun. Dude, I know. I tell you, I'm just giving you saves grief. me the trip. I'm you just know? giving you grief. I prime it and it shows up, baby. But, plastic uh, pencil boxes. Yes, okay. And, and what I'm doing with those is that's what I put the nut drivers in. That's what I put, um, you know, my um, my multimeter and all the probes and stuff mm-hmm. in and everything like that. And and what it does is with this toolbox the the way that this this particular toolbox is, it, it opens at the top. So it, it, think of it as like setting a briefcase, okay, on its side, not lying the briefcase flat, setting the briefcase on its side, and then the you top on its of, end, just like if on, you were on its, on if its you end. were carrying the briefcase, uh-huh. by just, hand, set it, just down. Set it down, set it okay. down, okay, right. and then the top actually has hinges on it to where it it like opens up. 
Okay, almost like a Y, like okay. that. So everything I've got all of my pencil boxes full of, of of tools sitting inside that box, and so that when you pick it up, the tools don't go flying everywhere yeah. inside inside the briefcase. That's what I was running into, uh, and you don't really think that'd be that big of a problem, but. It is when you've got a bunch of wrenches and nut drivers and everything clanking around, and you've got multimeters and, and stuff that you really don't want to have, you know, be hit or beat up. So I've gotten everything kind of compartmentalized out. I've got the wrenches on carabiner hooks and everything like that. And, and dude, I mean, it, it it works well. I, I mean, that, I'm very happy with how this has turned out. I learned that lesson last year at Expo because yes. I had a I had a very nice, uh, heavy canvas tool bag okay and every time i needed something yeah it was just it was like root 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 well root, it, root. everything's laying in the bottom because yeah. it all piles on top of each right. other and it's like i'm none of that i'm done with that it's like there, i can do this a little bit better so yeah so Th- that's and, why i went to the a box with the <laughs> yeah. dividers yes yeah, exactly yeah. well and that's the way this is it's just that instead of this one lying flat it sits up and that's kind of the way that this goes so yeah grab some pencil boxes some plastic pencil boxes from amazon use that to help organize your tools throw all those in there set them on their side and man dude i can you know i've got them labeled i i flip that thing open and look at it and there it is i've, we I've have, got my tools what uh anybody out there if you've got one of the soldering irons or stations from uh is it mcm it's mcm electronics yes and what's the brand on those it's not i know they sell the, the like 10 meters are you looking hang, it up real hang quick on, i'm gonna look it up hang so on. where i'm going with this is is i have threatened for a long time to go buy these the they've got a couple stations uh, the, for example they're kind of their entry level temperature controlled station looks a lot like the uh the weller just like that generic red based station that's just got the dial on it there's no readout or anything like that and i've got one of those stations one of the wellers i've used it forever uh, i just keep a big fat tip in it whenever i need to put a lot of heat in something or if i'm doing like a monitor chassis that's i just just go right through it and i keep a finer tip in my nicer station for for board work exactly you know, like to, to curse it space invaders stall. it's a stall stall okay s-t-a-h-l and that's my traveling iron is what i've gotten oh so you do have one of I, them i've actually got two of them because here, here's what i and i know this sounds now, like overkill you, but do let you me have tell you, one this, that looks makes sense like that weller station the yes it's a smaller version of it though okay and it's just yeah. it's just got a dial on it for yeah, temperature just has a, okay. just has a, right. a dial with you know green to yellow to red okay and, and that's, right. what, that's it is. what i'm thinking of yeah so i've got that in my travel pack i have a second stall that i that is my mobile iron you know if i'm like soldering something in a game while i'm working on it and then i have my weller that actually sits on my repair bench where i do all of my board and monitor chassis work oh i said mcm it's parts express it's Parts express yeah yeah i looked through all my email all my mcm emails couldn't find yeah, it i'm it's, like yeah it's, I'm parts like, express. it's like parts express because that's all, the other place that I all tend my to raspberry from. all the raspberry pie stuff i've been getting from mcm yeah so, so okay gotcha so yeah this one the model is it's we, it is uh, part number 374-100. It's their Stall Tools SSVT variable, tem- variable Temperature Soldering Station. 20 bucks. Yeah. $19.54. Best 20 bucks you'll ever spend on a soldering iron. It, now, I'm not going to say that that's the one that, I w- that I'll use. That's not my go-to iron every single time. But for a mobile or a traveling setup or for, you know, repairing hey, you I know, need, splice wires, man, it yeah. does the trick. I need it's to awesome. carry this over to, the, to my pinball and solder coil wire on or I, i'm going to put it in a bag and i'm not 
too worried that's exactly if somebody right. somewhere decides they that's need it more exactly than I do. Right. Because I'm not going to take my Weller places, man, because that thing's too nice, too expensive, and um, I've got my soldering set up on my desk, you know, where, like where I say I do my monitor chassis and, you know, board repair and everything. Uh, that, that thing ain't moving, you know, because I've got a solder and a desolder station right there on my desk. There's no way I'm going to I'm gonna yank that Weller out and take it into my game room to work on something. So, realistically, I've got three irons. Travel iron, portable iron, and rework iron we'll is have to, essentially the way that it goes. We'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. Sure, the yeah. Weller I'm talking about is the WCL 100. And if anybody sees it, they'll recognize it. It's that... Like I said, it's that entry-level little Weller soldering station. It's a d- adjustable temperature. Mm-hmm. It's red. It's just a red base, and the iron itself is red. Uh, it's just got an on-off switch and a little dial, like 0 to 5, that sets the, that sets the temperature. No feedback or anything. No display. Um, and the stall looks a lot like that. Yes, it I mean, does. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of skinny, I guess the, the base and everything. It will definitely post pictures. Yeah, because I know we're, we're talking about it, and people are like, "I just need to see a picture," you yeah. know. So, we'll, well, we'll, that's I was going to we'll ask if anybody had used one, what they thought of it. I didn't realize you'd actually bought oh, yeah. bought one. Yeah, so. yeah, I bought two of them actually. So, so, so I've got my second box, and then I've got for tools, and then I got my second box for soldering, and I'm still kind of fleshing it out a little bit, but I have. You know, I've moved my 808 into that. I've got, you know, portable solder in, in, you know, my desoldering wicks and, you know, and stuff like that. So pictures worth a thousand words, Brent, a thousand words, Brent. So I'm just going to have to take pictures of this and throw them up on the Facebook page. Well, I I, I may have to transition over to this because my, my kind of travel iron. Yeah. I don't know if you remember during the summer, it was a big thing on Clove where uh, Radio Shack Rest in peace, Radio Shack. <laughs> Where yes. Radio Shack was clearancing yeah. their advanced solder station or whatever. Yeah. And I remember that. They were down yeah. to like, with all the discounts, they were down to like 25 or $30. It was crazy, but you could only order it online and, you know. Well, some stores still have. Oh, oh is that right? Okay. The store, a store over by my, uh, my uncle's had it and he went in and got it for me. It was like 30 bucks, but it's, it's uh, way too involved to carry around because yeah. it's it's the way my weller is man it's, it's got too many, a, it's too many cords it's too many it's you've got a separate stand from the power supply and it's all kind of big and bulky and yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I'd much rather just go to something a little easier to deal with. Yeah, and that's what this is. So, so I've been working on this because it's easy for it's easy for me to to log some time on something like this. Um, you know, in between you know getting home and getting repacked to, to go back out again and everything like that. Getting knee deep into board work, uh, you know, thirty minutes a day is is kind of tough for me to do because once you start getting in that mindset and start working on things, you immediately have to get up and stop or this or that. So I've been trying to take my limited time this week to work to make progress on things that are arcade related instead of actually working working on a game. Um, the one thing I will say though, uh, just to just to kind of transition here, um, my Nintendo my reproduction Nintendo coin doors came in. We've been talking about that. In the uh, in in the reproduction segment, the past couple of months, and uh, man, Brent, they are beautiful. So that's Take Man on Clove, and he just he just does such fantastic work, and they're just they're they're awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, last thing, man, is I did pick up a couple more tubes, and um, yeah, I, I was texting you pictures of them as I was getting them. It's like, hey, he's Brent, doing, look at this. He's doing well. The picture was a little blurry because yeah. he was doing the happy dance when he was when exactly. he got them. So. Exactly. So it, it's it's worked out pretty well. I've um I've gotten uh 
a little bit of a relationship with my local recycling center and they're holding t- they're holding 19 inch TVs for me and so they'll call me and I'll go in and rummage through them and they let me pick what I want and they keep the rest and go ahead and dispose of them so um, oh that's awesome and I'm getting them for free so at this point I've gotten uh, seven no eight eight yes I've gotten eight TVs for free at this point so uh, it takes a little bit of time in order for that to work its way through and it comes and goes in batches but you know that's that's it so now have you broken into them yet and looked at them to see how many you've gotten a, a couple and, and work. It, yeah yeah a couple I have I've gotten uh, one that is a direct swap for 4900 and another that is a direct swap believe it or not for a Geo 7 and I was so shocked at that oh sweet yeah yoke and all you don't have to everything change. everything it's it's a complete swap and I, I I do have a Facebook album on this where I have been taking some pictures of the TVs and the serial numbers and and the tube numbers and everything I need to update that with the latest round of TVs that I've gotten I dude I just haven't had time but but I've been busy I, yeah. I will I've, I've been busy but so you, you just reminded you me I picked up a 19 inch you know 90 early 90s vintage you know that classic if there is such a thing as classic in this context yeah black case 19 inch television okay you know they all look the same from all the manufacturers the black yeah. plastic case yep yep um, I forgot I'd, it's sitting out there in the shed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need to go look at it. Well, and it takes a little bit of time to break one of those down, you know, and so it's more so just uh, it's been cold and I've not moved them into the house to do it. So they're just sitting there for another day. But outside of that, Brent, that's pretty much what I've had going on. So not a lot, but I guess it's a, a lot of little busy work kind of stuff. Well, man, I wouldn't say that's a lot of little stuff. You've had quite a bit going on. Yeah, it it adds up. I I mean, I've not been able to work on, I guess, explicitly what I wanted to work on, but I've tried (laughs) to make use of the time. It's kind of like me last month. I think I started off with, I haven't had a whole lot, and then I just went on and on, and I I just quick clocked that at like 60-some-odd minutes. I I didn't realize how much stuff (laughs) I'd had going on. It all adds up. Well, speaking of going on, we've mentioned this several times, the Louisville Arcade Expo. So Mm -hmm. let's hit on this a little bit, Whitney. Yeah. We are obviously going to be there. We're going to be there strong. Looking forward to it. It is coming up Friday, uh, March 6th, Saturday the 7th, uh-huh. and Sunday the 8th yeah. here in Louisville. And we'll talk a little bit about it a little, you know, we'll give the fine fine details a little later in the show as yeah. part of our kind of what's going on segment, and, yeah. you know, other shows and the like when we discuss that. But Whitney and I are going to, again, broadcast live from the show floor mm-hmm. uh, Friday the 6th and Saturday the 7th. And we're going to broadcast at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're going to do that on our MixLR channel. Yep. So we'll have up, up on our Facebook page, we'll have out on Twitter, we'll have anywhere and everywhere we can, we'll have the URL to that. Mm-hmm. Most likely, I don't see why we won't, we'll go ahead and put claw threads up, probably pin side threads up. Uh, if memory serves, well, I, I won't even give the URL because I'm going to be pulling it from memory. It's and, uh, just MixLR. Uh, forward slash broken token and my mix m-i-x-l-r m-i-x-l-r dot com forward slash broken, broken token. token that's all okay, i is. was fairly certain that was yeah, it but that's it so uh, you don't have to have any kind of client to listen you don't nope. have to log in to listen nope you can go right to the site yep and if we're broadcasting it'll start it'll say they are broadcasting and yep. you'll hear it right through your that's pc speakers right through your speakers man that's all there is to it hey, and there's i know there's an android client yeah, I don't know if there's an iOS client or not. I can't imagine that there isn't if there's an Android client. I, I would I would think that there would be. Production assistant Sean O'Shea has <laughs> used the Android client in assisting us. Yeah. And uh, uh, from what I understand, it works very well. So, you know, you can catch us streaming right on your phone if you like. So Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, uh, f- 
the show is uh, March 6th, 7th, and 8th, uh, Friday the 6th, and Saturday the 7th, 7 p.m. Eastern. We are going to do a live broadcast from the show. So it's color commentary, what's going on, um, kind of arcade celebrities, if you will, will uh, wrangle from the floor and get to sit down with us and, and talk with us, uh, do some in-place live interviews. Looks like uh, Miss Christie is going to be with us again. So yeah, we'll just, have just a bunch of general shenanigans. It's going to be fun. <laughs> shenanigans are afoot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it ought to be neat. I know we're going to have a lot of listeners uh, that have uh, had told us that they're, they're coming into the show. And, you know, like I say, you know, a couple special guests as well. It ought to be pretty neat. So also on Saturday the 7th, we're going to do a second show. Uh, and this is going to be the bombastic, man. This is going to be fun. It's going to be the BT Happy Hour. Yes. Uh, Saturday the 7th at 1030. Yeah. Eastern, yes, yeah. and what we're going to try to do here? Uh, no, uh, we're going to do it. I, I'm no, I'm heading the I'm I'm heading the 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 seemingly most insignificant part of what we're going to do. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm spotlighting that. That's heading okay. the discussion. Fair enough. We are going to try to limit this to an hour. Yeah. So you know, like all like a, well, all good happy hours at a bar probably run you know a couple, two or three. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep this at an hour. The premise behind this, though, uh, for everybody listening, is now the real reason behind yeah, it. Yeah, the real reason behind it is essentially listener appreciation. Okay, for all the all the show listeners that make it up to Louisville Arcade Expo, we want to get you on the mic and get you on the show. So we're going to uh, find a nice little quiet place and uh, get a couple portable recorders, a uh, handful of microphones and we're just we're going to sit around and we're just going to talk and have fun talking uh and we're going to like say try to limit it at that hour but you know how we are brent it may be three and a half hours long i don't know we'll see yeah we'll we'll see whatever whatever happens is going to happen whatever happens is going to happen totally unplugged totally you know totally right then and there so it's going to be fun and uh like i say if uh if you're going to be at louisville arcade expo definitely get in touch with us uh let us know that you want to be on the show at that time and we'll get everybody corralled up and uh find a spot and we're going to have just a really really cool format show it, it you know just everybody contribute uh, i would say you know the kumbaya music is going to be extra i don't know that i'll have that queued up ready to go but <laughs> that's what we'll run with what am i getting into <laughs> it's gonna be neat well come by the booth we we will have a booth at the show unless yeah. things change uh, you know things are always subject to change but my understanding is is that when you walk into the show proper the main portion of the show mm-hmm. where uh, you're gonna have your arcades and your pins and all that uh right off the registration booth if you look to your right down that wall my understanding is is that's where our booth is going to be yeah. so you won't you can't miss us wherever we end up you'll see all the gear you'll see mics you'll see yeah. we'll have a big, big banner. banner yeah we'll have uh, um you know we may have a, a dog and pony show there could be donkey rides we haven't decided <laughs> yeah so cooler beer it's hard to tell you know you it, will find us yeah, one way yeah, or the other you'll find us so come by say hi and you know if you want to try to get in on the friday night show just let us know or we, saturday night show, or saturday right? night, yeah. exactly if you want to try to get in on the saturday night show please let us know the yeah. one thing that we've got to nail down is exactly where yeah and it's just it just depended upon timing and what's available yeah. so we'll find a space yeah we'll we'll find a space and we'll make sure that uh you know that we're walking around well in advance of it uh, getting in contact with the people that we know and everything like that and uh, we'll get all the details sorted it's just hard for us to to predict exactly where we're going to do this because 
you know, we're, we're guests at this expo like everybody else is. So we're very fortunate that the expo organizers, you know, uh, you know, allow us to set up shop and everything like that. That's cool. Uh, but we're, we're going to have to just find out where we're going to sit. So <laughs> to do that, ideally, we're going to broadcast this show kind of like we mm-hmm. did from Chicago. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, uh, that show, the uh, the Saturday night BT Happy Hour, yeah. as well as the Saturday, Friday and Saturday night 7 p.m. shows, yeah. they're, they're going to be released. Yeah, they're, they're all going to be yeah. in the podcast feed after the fact. So if if something happens where we can't broadcast it um, or, you know, the the whole situation with uh, now, Friday, portable the, equipment just doesn't work out, we'll see. Yeah, the, the 7 p.m. shows are going to be broadcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We're going to do those right from our booth. Yeah. We, that those will be broadcast. Yeah, exactly. The ten thirty is the questionable one. Yeah. So you know, watch our Facebook, watch our Twitter, uh, look for a skyrider, perhaps a pigeon <laughs> at your window, <laughs> all uh, that good stuff. Cloth pin side. Yeah. You know, all the normal haunts that we hang out at. Yeah. If uh, we'll have the information there, and we'll try to keep it up to date. I think the biggest determination, uh, or the biggest determining factor on whether or not we'll broadcast that the, the happy hour show live is whether or not we have enough power outlets available, just to make sure that the tablet that we're running and you know everything that we've got doesn't run out of juice halfway between the show so you know that, that's the biggest thing battery power it's not our setup it's not we've already got all that stuff canned cold that's not the issue it's just are we going to have enough power where we sit at in order to not stop the show artificially and that's what I, that's the thing that i'm concerned about so that's it so we're also going to have uh, a special guest a guest that i'm not going to name you're going to no, no, tune no, in no 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 we're, we're, we're going to save that for later we're going to so. have a special guest at the 10 30 happy hour yes show. it's going to be fun it's going to be fun so uh we've got to let him know that he's going to be our special guest well, <laughs> I'll text him later on tonight. He, he knows he's our guest, and I, I think exactly. he, I think he feels that he's special to us. Exactly. But very, very I don't know if he knows us, yes. that he's a special guest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll sort that out. So <laughs> details forthcoming on that. All right. All right, man. Louisville Arcade Expo. It's going to be fun. Uh, I cannot wait. Yeah. All right, so speaking of cannot wait, I know, Whitney, you've had a chance to sit down and talk with someone, uh, and I've not heard the interview, and I can't wait to hear it. Uh, this is a, uh, I want you to tell everybody all about it. I, yep. I will go as far as saying that it crosses pinball with uh, something from my childhood that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Yes, so. yes. So l- let me set the stage on this. Uh, several months back, I uh, I was contacted by Rich and Kendra at this old game, and uh, I sincerely appreciate the logistics that they did in order to make this interview happen. So, a lot of a lot of what we're getting ready to hear is thanks to them. Okay, so they did the initial uh, coordination on getting uh, me in touch with uh, Mr. Michael Johnson, and Michael is the gentleman and the brainchild behind the Goonies pinball machine. And Brent, this machine has done the tour uh, the tour circuit over the past several months, and it has been met with just you know I, I would say a rave response because man everybody loves the Goonies. I mean in our age group and seeing the movie, I mean it's it's like part of the it's like part of the the, the psyche of, of this of this time frame. You know it's it's part of the the, the cultural landscape. And uh, Michael has essentially rethemed okay 
a, a, a pinball machine, and it has just really, really taken on, I think, almost a, a life of its own. So, uh, so yeah, so thank you, Rich. Thank you, Kendra. Uh, thank you, Michael, for taking the time to do this interview. And uh, like I say, th- this is a couple months old, Brent. We've, we've just had a hard time getting you know everything slotted in from an order of operations well, this standpoint. is an ageless topic it, but it is an ageless topic you're right and so there's nothing time sensitive about this per se uh, even if the machine uh, were to change hands later on down the line and i know that michael has uh, i think been thinking about this a, a little bit i think there's a topic on pin side for it right now where he's considering selling it it doesn't matter i mean this this is a, a pinball machine themed after the goonies you know and it's <laughs> and it's all kinds of awesome i mean this thing's black and yellow and it sounds good. It looks good, and and we Michael's just so kind to sit down and talk with us about it and everything that went into making. I think what uh, he would consider his his dream theme. All right, Whitney. Well, let's check it out. All right, let's hear from Michael. All right, everybody, we'd like to welcome you back to uh, the interview segment for this month's show. And we are fortunate enough uh, to have on the other side of the podcasting studio and uh, literally via the magic of Skype sitting right across the table from me is uh, Mr. Mike Johnson. And for those of you who are keeping close tabs on the pinball community, you uh, know that uh, you know the name and you know that Mike is working on uh, the Goonies pinball. And so, Mike, we uh, appreciate you having appreciate having you on the show this evening, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for making it on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really honored for the invite. Oh no, it's 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 no worries. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where uh, honor and invite uh, for our show got tied together, but hey, man, it's it's hey. great it's great that you're here, and we appreciate it. <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. So for so for everybody uh, out there listening, uh, Mike is a, a mutual contact that I met through uh, Rich at this old game, and so uh, Rich, thank you for uh, and Kendra, thank you for getting us hooked together and, and being able to talk to Mike about his project and about this pinball. So. Mike, like I say, before we get uh, before we get too far into um, you know into talking about the pinball itself, I'd like to hear a little bit about you know kind of where you got started in the hobby, what what rolled you forward into working on Goonies pinball and everything like that. I mean, how did you devise such a project and, and get started with this? Yeah, cool. I'd, yeah, I'd love to tell a little bit about my background. Yeah. I mean, I started collecting uh, maybe close to ten years ago. I'm I'm more of a I guess I consider myself the NES generation. Ah uh, yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, twenty six hundred yeah, yeah. NES so, for I mean, me. I grew up in, in yeah in that range and uh, just love Nintendo and then I kind of get into the arcades probably a little bit later in the eighties. Really, kind of the Double Dragon starting to get into the JAMA age and <laughs> uh, and then on into. You know, then the kind of the full swing with the Mortal Kombat's or the Street Fighters, and and uh, so that's kind of where I fit age-wise, okay. generation-wise. Okay. And uh, so when I started collecting, I was really I've been more of a video game guy. Pinball was really never in my in my blood at all. 
and uh, I never really, I didn't really start playing it much until just a couple of years ago. Well, I, I will say that I'm I'm much the same way. I came up much the same way that you did, Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started on on the video side, and realistically, pinball has been something that I've really only gotten into over the past, you know, over the past several years. So right. it, it's good to hear that there's kinmanship along <laughs> those lines. But it's amazing that uh, that pinball can do what it does. You know, it. it it yeah. it sets in and it grabs hold of you and then then it's like oh man I'm going to dedicate I want to dedicate months or, or years to a pro, to a pinball project and it's yeah. I, I think it I think it just speaks well overall for for what pinball can do but let's let's talk a little bit about before we get into the pinball stuff about the arcade mm-hmm. side and about, about your you know about your collection and everything like that so knowing the types of games that you played I mean are you still actively maintaining your collection are you still getting games and you know tell us a little bit about uh, you know about what you might have i still do and uh it's a lot less games than probably i did in the past um you know maybe the most i had at one point was 12 games or so and it's still um, sizable yeah i mean it was decent but i was also single so (laughs) oh yes yeah yeah Yeah, at the time so that was a lot easier but uh but no over the time and uh just kind of whittled it down and just got to and i just kind of rotate games out and just kind of keep a couple in the collection at a time and uh, right now, I've got uh, a Nintendo Play Choice, which has been in my collection for very early on, so maybe eight years I've had it, and it's kind of one of those games that I just don't feel I could probably ever let go of. <laughs> I don't know what, you know, it's that whole NES generation I kind understand. of thing, so yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's one of, I don't think I'll get rid of that, and I actually just did kind of a little makeover on it and in for the free play show and, and created a, a Goonies play choice cabinet. Out oh, of it. wow. But, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's kind of neat. <laughs> neat. Well, yeah, I've seen pictures of the play choice on your, on your Tumblr blog and, and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk, we'll talk about that here sure. a little bit further on into the interview, but okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's neat. So, so I've got that and I've got a spy hunter upright as well. Awesome. At, at the moment. Well, I mean, if, if you think back, I mean, what what's your what's your favorite arcade game that you've played over the years? I mean, is is there a game that you're still hunting or a game that you're still after? You know, I've I've always I've always you know I've never been like an intense game player, very very casual. But I just have such a such a love for the games. But one of the, one game that just destroys me, but I love it, and it just I just keep on going back for more punishment is Burger Time, <laughs> and I've never owned one, but I'd love I'd love to get my hands on one of those. Uh, I, I love Burger Time. It's it's deceptively hard, man, and yeah. it, it, it works you pretty good after after like the second board, man. It it starts to become. Um, I don't know. It, it has an impossible complex, almost like yeah. Missile Command. It just it, it just eats yeah, you, eats yeah, you totally. after the first couple of first couple of levels. And I love Missile Command too, but man, yeah. I'm just terrible at it. Yeah, well, join join the club, man. <laughs> it's I, I think it's I think it's a, a rampant condition if you want to know yeah. the truth of it. The, those are both hard games, but very very good ones too. So, yeah. okay, well that, that's awesome. So so you've got it. You've got a good pedigree on on the arcade side, and and then kind of moving in into the pinball side. So in looking over your, your Tumblr, Mike, like say doing uh, some research, you know, before uh, you know before getting into the interview and everything, I taken a look at several of your pictures and seen the the multitude of machines that you had posted there and played on and everything like that can you kind of can you tell us you know how you got into pinball and really kind of what what got you started there yeah i mean what really kind of got me into pinball was um the last i think it was three years maybe it's four years that game warp uh which was an expo that went on here in orlando um 
and so going there with my wife and she actually she kind of she really enjoys playing pinball and uh, it's something that she can really connect with because it's really it's physical and uh, so we just kind of started playing pinball at that and I just started running through a bunch of machines and I mean really it it was at a game warp show that just really hooked me well I I, I can say for the, I can say almost the same I mean when I first got got hooked into pinball was was at an expo my wife was with me and we were just running through and playing all different types of games and you know at the end of it uh, she said we we've got to get a machine we have got to get a machine <laughs> yeah. and she she has she's loved pinball far far longer than I and uh, even when I first started in the arcade hobby she said you know at some point I want to get a pinball machine so mm-hmm. yeah I, I understand how that goes I mean what what did you guys gravitate towards I mean what were the titles that, that really pulled you in just out of curiosity because there's there's just so many and over the different genres pinball it's it's interesting to hear what what made you i guess what what hooked you yeah there was a couple that that i can recall that really kind of grabbed us both uh theater magic was one uh that kind of spoke to us beautiful game and just you know you know slamming that chest right up the middle there (laughs) and uh it's i don't know something about that was gratifying and the, the artwork and the sounds and uh, th- that one, we really enjoyed that, that. Another one that we, that we just played over and over was, uh, man, what was it? It was Bad Cats. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why. I mean, it, I mean, I, I kind of know why is, uh, I mean, cats, we have several cats and it's kind of something, just something about the artwork on it was just kind of funny. Like the artwork really pulls me in. Yeah. That was, that was Python um, Angelo. It's just amazing artwork as well. Yeah. yeah. I really, really liked it. Um, and, uh, and I'd like to get some more time on it cause we, I mean, I really only played it just a handful of times, but something about that game, it, it kind of pulled us both in neat because when you when you think about the the titles that stand out and you know I, I have my own list as well but those those titles those are I guess those early standouts are what really embody pinball and then everything you know everything else from a title perspective you appreciate but right. to some degree you're, you're always kind of comparing it to, to what really kind of drew you in too yeah well, the Williams Indiana Jones. I'm a big Indiana Jones fan too. And, and <laughs> it's so, very popular. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that that one that one has me for sure. Yeah, definitely all definitely all all good titles. So so just out of curiosity as well, you know, so you you and your wife are you know just kind of getting into the pinball hobby and everything like that, and you know you're you're getting your feet wet, learning the rule sets of the tables that you like, and you know I'm I, what I assume to be researching the price on machines and <laughs> what does it take to get a couple of these back to the house, and you understanding yeah. you know the maintenance and the repair and everything like that. So so how how did you bridge the gap between you know, between going from pinball pinball player avid fan collector into rolling forward to say you know one day you wake up and say hey i'm i'm going to create my own my my own themed pinball machine i mean that's that's <laughs> quite it's quite a quite a jump for me and i'm just kind of curious you know how how did you how did you make that leap um uh, yeah i'm I'm ambitious to the core. Uh, most um, certainly, probably yes. to a fault <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> but um, but I, I guess uh, before I got the first pinball machine, which is a which is one that I still have, is a Hollywood Heat. Okay. Um, uh, I just love being in Florida. I love the cheesiness of it. Um, I love. I was always. I guess one thing that always held me back from pinball was always been cost. 
Um, I mean, compared to the video game collecting, so like the on the arcade side, it was always um, really reasonable. Oh, yeah, you know, to yeah. to have quite a few games and yep. maintain them, and it's pretty low. It just like the pinball machines kind of gave me anxiety to just look under the play field. Um, you know, there's so much going on. All and the wires, the all the of coils. entry was yeah. a bit intense, and I just like ah, I just can't justify that kind of. Of costs, like even now, you know what people spend on machines just kind of blows me away. Um, so I jumped in on a on a Hollywood Heat for 150 bucks, and it was non-working. I was like, I'm like, I just got to throw myself into this thing and just figure it out. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, you know, all kinds of people can can do this, and I'm I'm, you know, I just figured I'm smart enough. I could figure this out, and I didn't. Uh, to be clear, I actually had somebody fix it for me because um, I was just stumped and I didn't know where to go. Um, and uh, got it working. I love the Hollywood Heat game. I, it's just so much fun. It's something that you know when I have friends over or something like that, a casual gamer can walk up to and and it's really easy to explain the rule set and uh, the music and the the theme really fits the vibe down here. So so that worked out really well. Now, so I, you know, I felt like I didn't really accomplish anything by having somebody fix that machine, and I was like, well, okay, man, like I saw somebody do that that Evil Dead pinball machine out of a Hollywood heat, and that kind of started getting the the wheels turning in my head a little bit. That man, maybe just doing that would be a great way to learn more about um, how a pinball machine works. Okay, so so then uh, then did you roll did you roll the Hollywood Heat that that you bought and then someone fi- someone fixed, you know, knowing that was kind of the basis for for the, for the for the the, the Goonies theme or I guess that you know the, the groundwork mm-hmm. for for the machine. And did you purchase another Hollywood Heat to start with Goonies or did you take your own and say it's going on the chopping block and this thing <laughs> this thing's going to become Goonies? No, I actually bought another one. Okay, um, and. Kind of uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I just I love the one I have. I did some teal powder coating on all the metal bits, and and I did a whole custom Miami Vice back glass on it, and uh, um, which I thought was kind of cool. And I didn't want to sacrifice that. But two was um, it gave me then a reference machine next to the one that I'm going to build. So uh, as I'm I putting see. something back together. I can lift the lid on that thing and uh, really kind of figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Yeah. And, and you yeah. know, it, it doesn't matter how many pictures you take or how many brown paper bags <laughs> no. that you label. You know, nothing's there. There's no substitute for having one, I guess, to 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 essentially either copy yeah. or guide you with. And I did the pictures and and, uh, but I just figured, man, that was just going to be the easiest way for you know push comes to shove when it comes game you know showtime or something like that and. I get this thing back together next week and it doesn't work. I can sacrifice a couple of bits and and uh, get it going. The Goonies will be more important than uh, Hollywood Heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this: the Goonies is interesting. I mean, it's it's a theme with a 
a wide following and a lot of appreciation and it's instantly recognizable. So mm. I, I think you chose good, you know, and oh, yeah, in, in that regard. So let me ask you this, Mike, in thinking back about everything that at least in, in my mind would be involved in creating a custom pinball machine, what background did you bring to the equation that said, mm-hmm. yeah, I can get this done. I know, I know you said you're ambitious and, and that's definitely true, you know, in looking at where you're at on the project, but I mean, I mean, have you done engineering work? Have you done software development work? Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of curious as to as to what really gave you the gave you the overall confidence to to keep working through this day in and day out and all the problems that you may run into. Yeah, kind of none of the above. I, uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? That I, that's that's actually refreshing to hear. If you want to know yeah, the truth of it, yeah, that's kind of cool. My, uh, I mean, my day to day, I I um, I work for a BMX bike company, and oh, uh, cool. we design and uh, manufacture freestyle BMX bikes and and uh, I'm surrounded by creatives all day long so we've got an, a graphic design department and oh, um, nice. and so that's very inspiring to me kind of on a day in and day out so I'm just surrounded by creatives and people that are artists and musicians and stuff like that so it it just kind of inspired me to like I want to create something you know special so I was like, well, you know what? So I I do this day in day out, and and I got a fairly you know basic understanding of programming. But I was like, I'm not gonna have to get into that if I'm just gonna be retheming this thing. I'm like, the rule set's gonna stay the same. Like okay. I'm not gonna have to do Understood. anything there. So if it's art, um, uh, I really want to challenge myself to. I didn't know Photoshop. I didn't know Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Anything like that. So. And, you know, the whole thing was really just to challenge myself to learn some new skill sets and, and force myself into this a little bit. Oh, no, that's completely understandable. I I know even from just when Brent and I started the podcast and we started the website and everything like that, I mean, I was in the same boat. I had, yeah. had, had no prior Photoshop or <laughs> Illustrator experience, and you, you kind of pick that stuff up as you go, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah totally. I, I can I can totally respect that because it's, it's like creating something from nothing. It's, it's not like you have anything to copy per se yeah and that, that was kind of that was exciting to me so i've uh you know i, I do a lot of uh you know I, I i'm an operations uh manager for the company so i have my hand in just about everything so i'm either communicating with the creative team or the marketing team or the sales team or uh something like that so i i have to know a little bit about just about everything so whether it's web design or how the printing process works or uh, how the manufacturing side of the business works, and so I've I've got this you know little bits and pieces kind of here and there that I figure I'm like you know I think I can kind of put all this together and work this out and you know worst case scenario I've got some some great friends on hand that can help me out with some <laughs> illustrator work and and, and I, I was fortunate that I had some guys uh, this guy Jason at work really helped me out a ton with uh, getting some artwork going oh, and awesome. kind of getting my my basics uh together and uh and then then rich uh at this old game i pretty much gave him a <laughs> what i would consider a sketch and he helped me kind of <laughs> dial it into a printable uh file oh no that's that's awesome yeah, it, yeah. and de- definitely want to hit on hit on the artwork here here in just a little bit too sure, because yeah. what a partner to have I, I guess in producing yeah. an artwork package you know when it when it comes to doing that kind of work so that's neat so okay mike so out of curiosity when when looking at your tumblr uh, and that's that's the the blog where you've you've essentially documented the build and everything like yeah. that um it goes 
goes back to December of 2013 uh, is, is when I see the very first post where you've got, you know, where you've got the, the picture, you know, of the, you know, I guess, of the, the quote unquote, the, the donor pen and, uh-huh. and everything like that. And, and you're talking about, you know, what what this will become. Is that really when this project started or had you been had you been, you know, rumbling it you know forward for months and months beforehand? Or, you know, did, did this thing just kind of come about, you know, over the course of a couple of days or what? Yeah, over the course of a couple of days, really, um, it was uh, that that pretty much was the beginning of the whole thing. It was kind of uh, somebody. I mean, it wasn't so much as a dare, but somebody kind of said on Facebook, like, kind of asked the question, "Why isn't there a Goonies pin?" And I was like, "I don't know. Just kind of the timing probably wasn't right." And they're like, "Well, you should make one." And I was like. <laughs> Oh well. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then all of a sudden, the Hollywood heat popped up on our. We have a really cool local community here of uh, in Florida of uh, collectors called the Village, and we have a forum. And somebody had posted up oh, nice. Um, nice. that they had one for sale. They were like, oh, "I was going to do this project, and you know, just kind of don't have time for it." And I was like, "All right, I'll take it. It's on. I'm just doing. It. I'm just going to do it." That's that's pretty sweet. I mean, did so? Did the Goonies hold like any you know a special nostalgic value for you, or was it that it was there and somebody said, "Why hadn't it?" Well, and I know you said that. You know, somebody yeah. had had mentioned, "Well, why hadn't it been done?" And you say, "Okay, I'll go for it." But mm-hmm. but in order to carry it through, I, I would think that you've got to have some love for the theme, you know, rather <laughs> yeah, rather than just yeah, you know spin I mean, spin the wheel of themes and then pick whatever comes up. I mean. So, I mean, how did the Goonies come to you when you know when when you look at you know loving the theme and saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to commit this time to this? Yeah, I mean, it all started in '85. <laughs> yep. Really, I mean, I've been a, I've been a it's my all time favorite movie. If we ever meet sometime, I'll uh, I'll show you my right leg. My my lower right leg is covered in uh, Goonies tattoos. I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned at the onset of the interview that you're ambitious, and now I know you're ambitious <laughs> and you're committed, so that's cool. Very committed. <laughs> yeah, man. And, oh, uh, would, 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 love uh, to, would love to spill a beer with you at some point, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd be down for that for sure. Um, I uh, Yeah, so so since the beginning, I've been such a big Goonies fan. It's really, it's uh, it always inspired me of just this whole, you know, the adventure side of things, and and that's kind of a big part of, I mean, outside of the arcade and pinball thing, which, quite frankly, is kind of a, a small part of, you know, my extracurricular. Um, so uh, where the rest of it is very outdoorsy and camping and kayaking and okay. stuff like that. So, but it's always just kind of inspired adventure in me and just kind of going for it. And Data was always my favorite Goonie <laughs> with all of his gadgets and, and, and stuff like that. So. Well, like I say, the the theme stands on its own. You know, it's it's definitely it definitely has you know I, I would say a cult following and then some. You know, so yeah, yeah totally. And it, and it hits right with my generation too. And yeah, um, you know, a lot of my friends would just feel the same way about Goonies. Just mention Goonies, and and you know, people just can go on and on about it. So oh, their I eyes light up for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I felt the time was right. My my buddy's got a a a, a barcade here in town. Um, and I was like, man, it'd be so cool. I've put a couple of games in there, here and there too. And and I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to do. A, it's like a bar, arcade, and art gallery. And I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to do this Goonies-themed art show with the pinball machine. And you know, it just kind of snowballed a little bit. 
Oh, that's yeah, that that's awesome, man. You know, just to take something that you love like that and, and then roll it forward. Did you run into any licensing issues or any copyright or property issues? Because the thing about it though, Mike, is that to say you're gonna do a Goonies pen and then actually do a Goonies pen, it's <laughs> I, I know it's two different things, you know, and, yeah, and there's a lot absolutely. of things that I would like to do, but there's a lot of things that I haven't done yet. And so, you know, separating the the want to do from the from the have done it, you know. Right. What did you have to do in order to pay the proper respects to the, you know, to the copyright owners and the the intellectual property owners and everything like that? Did did anybody from production or even Spielberg or anybody like that take any, you know, have they taken any interest in what you're doing? No, not at all. Um, I've I've just tried to kind of uh, treat this as a fan art project. Okay, understood. You know, um, understood. So, and I think that I think that's a fair usage of of the project in a sense um i run into with my job and stuff like that we we license music and do all this stuff and and i i kind of have a both sides of the coin kind of you know perspective on this whole thing and and uh so i i mean i really feel it's just it's not for resale okay understood well that okay i mean nobody's reached out or anything like that it'd be that'd be pretty interesting though well it it would be you know spielberg gives you a call and says hey man we gotta talk about this goonie pen thing (laughs) yeah we we need to have some lunch or something you know that would actually be a fun conversation yeah it would be like yeah all right cool no problem man oh no that's that's great well i'll change the website name or something (laughs) yeah yeah you may have to do that small concession to small concession session to keep the dream alive though yeah exactly is, is what that is so uh, let me ask you this when you think about the movie think about the characters and think about the premise uh and then you look at what hollywood heat has on the play field and the rule set and everything like that can you tell everyone that's listening what you changed you know in order to match the theme did you have to move anything around um you know did you did you stake you know 100 percent stock with the with the hollywood heat you know layout and everything like that and, and i'm just kind of curious as to as to what of hollywood heat is still in there versus what of mike's uh mike's rendition of the goonies is is on that play field Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Pretty much the layout is 100% Hollywood heat. It worked kind of really well. Uh, if you're familiar with it, um, there's an upper play field on the top left, and there's two ball locks up there. So it kind of worked out well to where you lock the two balls there, and then you hit the big ramp in the middle to unlock multi-ball. Uh, so it it made kind of sense to me that that upper play field was the cave with the ship, and the Goonies, the balls being locked or the Goonies being captured by the Fratellis. Oh, nice. And, okay. And then you hit the ramp, and what that does then is is triggers. So, like, for the audio, it's going to trigger um, Sloth and Chunk uh, <laughs> releasing the Goonies, basically. You Are know, there any better names them, than And that. it releases them, so it plays an audio track, you know, that coincides with the movie. And, and so as I kind of worked my way through it, and then the, 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 the targets uh, are the bones on the organ uh so as i kind of like kind of work my way through it i'm like man it actually this layout really works well um the the plastics are are all in the the same same place uh shape is pretty much the same a couple of changes i've added uh well i haven't added yet but i will be adding some i got some toys and stuff that'll be going on the play field it'll be interesting but so as far as the play field layout goes a hundred percent hollywood heat um the 
probably other stuff. I mean, the rule sets, 100% Hollywood Heat. Okay, kind of Something kind of cool, though. The uh, Right at the same time I'm doing this, a guy posted on Pinside that he was reproducing the um, Gottlieb ADB uh, CPU boards, and which nobody had done yet. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. The one I have, I think, is kind of, you know, a little bit toasted. So I was like, ah, oh, that's probably going to be something I'd have to replace anyway. So I hit him up. He's in U- in the UK, and he uh, and he was stoked on the project, and and uh, he even burned some. So I bought a, a brand new CPU board from him, um, which was a great deal, and he even burned some custom ROMs for me and changed all the display text. So oh, nice. Uh, and so instead of saying Hollywood Heat, it says the Goonies, and and it says Never Say Die, and. Um, instead of the the heat bumper bonus, it's like the truffle shuffle bonus. <laughs> okay, uh, stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So so I I saw you know I saw a post on on your blog about that where you show you know you show the new C- CPU board and everything like that and you know some of the you know some of the text callouts and things like that. So that's mm-hmm. I mean that's that's very fortunate. I mean that you that yeah, you were able well, to get yeah. that done. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was crazy. I couldn't believe. It. I mean, just the timing was just perfect on that and then it's just it's nice knowing that i've got a brand new board in there too and and uh so that's a little peace of mind on top of it oh no there's there's no doubt about that i mean at least you know it'll be as you know as reliable as it can be from from that perspective you know sure. in, in in and of itself so okay so with that you know so you've got the custom roms for you know for changing up the text callouts and everything like that and you're saying that it, it runs essentially 100 percent stock you know hollywood heat rule set and everything like that with just mm-hmm. I, with just i guess the you know the art and and you know the the inserts and everything like that just right. you know being changed over to match the theme you know is is there anything else that was that, that you put in yourself or that's kind of that i would say is kind of theme specific that wasn't on the play field you know, i mean did did mike add anything on top of it or or what yeah yeah there will be some some things uh on there uh Basically, I mean, just some some action figures and stuff like that. I was able to to uh, to incorporate into the play field that uh, I'll be assembling it this weekend. Actually, um, I'm waiting on the art coming from Rich. Should be here on Friday, so okay. I'll be I'll be <laughs> full throttle assembling this weekend. Yeah, and, you will. You will. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, other things too. I'll, I'm going to be doing some hydrographics on the ramp and the the pop bumper. Um, so adding a little extra artistic touch to those um so that that'll be pretty neat um trying to think of anything else specifically besides that really the the audio is going to be a big part of it okay so so tell us a little bit about that so how how did you go about getting how did you go about getting you know good clean audio you know for the call outs and and for in for you know just the the bits and pieces of the game that you would that you would need it for um you know i i know that on your blog you'd mentioned you know, getting some getting some rips out of the movie, but you know, mm-hmm. how, how did how did you go about that? You know, start I guess kind of start to finish. Yeah, totally. Uh, that was actually that was something. I mean, I even posted on the pin side thread too. I was curious. I know how to pull the audio out from the beginning, and and uh, and I was just kind of stumped on the whole thing for a bit, and then I uh, was was talking to a friend of mine, and he just happened to mention Audio Hijack. Um, I use a, a MacBook and 
Um, and he's like, yeah, download that. You know, if you if you need to pull anything from uh, from the movie, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll play with it. And it was like a free free version of it. And then I was able to, and it worked really really well. Okay. It was it was amazing. You can pull it out at uh, you know whatever kind of uh, um, uh, you know, whatever, quality that you yeah needed whatever kind of bit like rate that, that so, you needed at. Uh, so that worked out really nice. I used Audio Hijack, and then I just threw it into. So I'd pull a clip, just kind of roughly. Then I'd throw it into GarageBand and just kind of cut it up to exactly what I needed, and then export it as a as a sixty-four like bit MP3. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So you've got the MP3s that you want. So, so how, how are you, how are you, um, laying over the audio of, of Hollywood heat and, and making the game play your sounds versus, versus what, what's inside, you know, what's inside Hollywood heat? Yeah. So I pulled the original soundboard out. So I just, that's gone. And what I used are the MP3 trigger V2 boards from uh, SparkFun. Oh, okay. So, uh, you basically, you need, two of those to have both your background music and then all, all of your call-outs or sound effects. And then, so it's a really nice little board. Uh, kind of looking back now, they've got a new wave trigger out, from what I understand, is a little bit more robust. Um, so, But I've got these two MP3 trigger boards, so that's what I'm using. But uh, And it's just got a little micro SD card slot on it. You load all of your tracks on there, and it's got 18 trigger points on the board. So you can just run those two uh, different switches uh, along the underside of the play field, and it triggers certain audio tracks, and you can set them to random as well. So, you know, I could have the the drop target bank when it resets play, you know, anything from, uh, you know, 10 different random you know, audio callouts. Oh, I see. I see. And okay. Then, yeah. And then I run those through a two channel mixer. And so then you've got the background music playing at the same time as your audio callouts. Okay. Very, very nice. So, so you've got, so you've got, I guess, an audio track from the movie, the music from the movie as, as well as the callouts. Uh, yeah. Just, exactly. just kind of intermingled together then. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Very, very nice. Very nice. So, so let me ask you this. You know, after you've spent some time with it, and and after you know, after you've um, really kind of kind of babysit the whole process, and you know, kind of taking it under your wing and everything like that, has it gone as smooth as you thought that it would? I mean, what's been your biggest hurdle, I guess, in in getting this and getting this pen done, this retheme done, and then what's gone, you know, what, what's gone the easiest for you? What's what's taking you by surprise? Well, yeah, that. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually interesting. I mean, I think the biggest hurdle is it is going to be the art, just because I, I, you know, I'm not an artist by nature, and and I, you know, I didn't want to do the whole just pulling screen grabs and photoshopping and and having all that like, you know, some uh, some more modern machines have been, and and so I really wanted a custom illustration and and something really nice and. And you know, I reached out and I reached out to an artist at one point that uh, I really, really liked his artwork. It's really, really just it fit the theme really well, and it fits pinball really well. Unfortunately, with his scheduling, it just didn't work out. So it kind of, but I didn't really know until too late, and it just kind of put me up against the wall a bit. Um, so that really kind of pushed me into having to figure out Illustrator a lot on my own, no, and, I see. and relying on Rich quite a bit, and and he's been kind of my my savior and and then also my buddy at work the graphic designer at work jason and and uh, these guys really came through with, for me over the last 30 days so a lot of that kind of came 
you know, a lot. I mean, so much has been done in the last 30 days. It's insane. <laughs> and I, I would say yeah. my, uh, if my goal was to get it done for the show this month, I, I really slacked off in the first six months of the year. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Time uh, management is always going to be, a. it's, it's it's uh, it's it's a, it's a hurdle for all of us, man. I, I will yeah. say that you know, even tonight for this interview, I was running later than I than I wanted to run, and it's just uh, you have you have so many balls in the air, it seems. So, yeah. okay, so you've brought up a couple of very interesting points. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the the show first. So, sure. uh, so you you'd made mention of having you know having the game ready for for a show that's happening, you know here here in November, and that's we're we're recording this interview uh it's november november the 5th and so the you know the onset of the month so so what's what's the plans for getting this out into the public and and for you know letting it see the light of day yeah uh so one thing i really probably what i'm enjoy most about the the collecting aspect of arcades and pinballs is is really not even so much playing myself but actually seeing other people enjoy the machines seeing their reaction to them um I, I love having people over and just you know and just watching them really get into a game or bringing the games to a show and seeing young kids playing them and you know because they've never seen these things before so uh that's really exciting so that was a big part of my my goal for this machine but uh so in th oh man i guess we're uh about almost a little over two weeks away now is the the free play florida show yeah um so we're gonna have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 games there between pinball so it's a it's a pretty decent sized show um and th so this is the, the first year for it correct yep yeah yeah so it's out at it's out by uh sea world uh universal studios kind of sea world area off of international drive here in orlando uh so that's the 21st through the 23rd so i've got essentially two weeks from today to finish my my game so because move ins on the 20th my goodness man what, what are you doing talking to us man you've got you, <laughs> you got stuff you got to get done i know dude like uh, yeah like right before the call i was i was over here and i don't even have the artwork on top of the play field yet because it's going to get here i think on friday but i'm still trying to at least get a jump on it and assembling some of the harness underneath it Oh man, that's that, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, dude, there's yeah. there's nothing like a little bit of stress to bring out the best in everybody. So, so I'm yeah. sure that you know having the deadline and knowing that uh, you know knowing that you are going to you know uh, get this out into the public, make its make its big debut. I guess for lack of a better word, uh, is yeah. pro is probably a good dry. It's it's a good kind of stress. Yeah, it totally is, and it, it's it's a heck of a motivation and and my wife's been super supportive of it too which i gotta i gotta thank her you know more than anybody really because she's putting up with this crap right now so <laughs> <laughs> well you know we definitely want to make sure that we that we give i would say respect where it's due yeah. and make sure that we, that we give credit where it's due because uh the wives of the hobbies and the significant others of the hobbies uh make a lot of this possible so i, I know yeah, mine does fact. as well so yeah it's that's exactly right and uh, one other thing here mike you'd mentioned uh well you've made mention of this a couple times through the interview 
of, of the artwork and and Rich and uh, we're talking about Rich at this old game. So can you tell us a little bit about you know what that whole process was? I, I know you said that a lot of what you've done has come together in the past thirty days and. As I'm sure anybody who's done uh, any length of, of you know vector artwork and illustrator uh, can attest to, creating this artwork from scratch is not a quick, uh, nor it's an easy process. And it may be easy for some, but it's not easy yeah. for me. But yeah, um, no. usually the, the artwork and some reproductions can take months, if not years, you know, in order to get done. So can you can you kind of talk to us a little bit about what the what that whole process was like, and you know what you know, working with Rich and, and how that's how that's kind of come together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, you know, I mean at least with the Goonies stuff, it's been not too bad. There's some there's some actually some pretty good art out there as far as like some of the old movie posters. So pulling some elements from different from different areas. So it was like we pulled elements from movie posters, from the VHS cover to the the C D soundtrack cover to the Atari uh, video game cover, like all kinds of places, we were able to find a lot of really cool elements and and pull those in, and and so it was a lot of, uh, you know, I bought, you know, original posters off of eBay, and then brought them down to Kinkos and got them scanned in at 900 DPI, and then started pulling elements from these things. So, because I, I mean, I wasn't going to be able to create, you know, all of this from scratch, and and I was hoping to get this original art done, but. You know that's something that I think once this is completed and playable, it's I I don't think I'm ever going to be done with this machine. Um, okay. You know it's going to be always uh, a work in progress and and just kind of I, I I'm actually really looking forward to just tinkering. Yeah, just letting letting the game I guess kind of continue to live on. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in and so I it working with Rich has been amazing. Um, just uh, if I don't know if it, anybody out there is following a lot of his projects recently, um, a Journey pinball machine that he's working on right now, which is really cool, and and so that's given me a lot of inspiration, and and uh, then just being able to send him a file and just being like, or I'll send him a JPEG, like here's a quick comp, man. What do you think? You're <laughs> like, oh man, dude, you're not serious, right? Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and just like really shoot me straight, and just being. And just being like, then he'll just turn around and whip something. I was like, well, what, what do you think of this? I'm like, oh man, dude, like that's that's perfect. Yeah, you know, I, and I, and so much because his um, he clearly has uh, a love for for the Goonies as well. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be doing working with me on this project at all, and and especially at the level that he's he's doing everything in at the moment, and and he really realizes the the pressure I'm under to get this done for the show too. And, and, uh, so he's, he's working, he's working really hard on this thing as, as much as I am. And, That's and awesome. uh, yeah, so working with somebody like rich has just been amazing because he's, he's been a really a mentor through this whole process. Well, and you mentioned his love for the Goonies. So, so how, how did he hear about your project? How did you guys come to cross paths? You know, what's funny. Um, I, I don't know where he originally saw it. I don't know if it was um, on Pinside or something like that, where I just, you know, when I first started the project, I would just start, I started a thread on Pinside and um, just kind of really from the beginning, I just wanted to, people to see the whole process of what I'm doing, not so much as a, hey, this is how to do it. I'm not trying to create a how-to series on this thing. It's more so just even showing my struggle through the process than anything and just kind of let people be a part be a part of the process more so than just following along and trying to really I mean if somebody learned something from it great but 
and or hopefully it inspires somebody to just take a chance on a project. But uh, I'm certainly not trying to teach anybody how to do it. But so I I don't know if he caught it there. And it's funny I've never actually never even asked him that. Well, I'm just kind of curious as to how those paths kind of intertwine and and how you know how someone who's working on you know so many projects you know simultaneously and yeah, is yeah. and he's got a lot of you know he's got a lot of balls in the air too and you know how how he kind of hears about that and then and then takes it on so it's just neat to see what resonates with people and mm-hmm. and, and where the nostalgia kicks in and says oh yeah I'm definitely going to have a part in that and and, and mm-hmm. to make that and and that's that's neat I I think that speaks well for everybody yeah, it was amazing that, you know, something like this inspired him, you know, or could, you know, inspire anybody to, to, to do something Goonies related or, you know, hopefully it just spins off into just people just building more custom themed pinball machines. I'm, I'm really excited. I love the whole boutique pinball thing going on at the moment too is really cool and, and you know it's it's interesting that you bring that up uh the ins- the inspiration for others to to do this type of work and boutique pinball because you're right on both accounts um as we're recording this interview brent and i have just been back from pinball expo uh in chicago mm-hmm. for just you know a few weeks three three weeks or so just utterly unreal to see how much the pinball industry has sprang forward, I guess, and has and has grown up within even the past couple of years. And you just see so much innovation, you see so much enthusiasm. It's nice to see that people, even such as yourself, will will say, "Okay, I'm committed to this, and I and I'm I'm going to make my dent in this industry and make and make something of it." So it's I, yeah, I think it's I think neat. it's neat to see. Yeah, it's neat. I mean, it's it seems like the technology has been so static for the last 20 years in, in pinball where technology in our everyday lives is so so far beyond that. And it's it's amazing that it's really up until this point where we're seeing a lot of, you know, newer stuff being implemented. Well, I think we'll continue to see you know additional yeah. you know additional innovations in the industry as long as as long as everybody's willing to put their money into it and in that yeah, fans tricky. fans collectors and everybody else and then people that are producing machines such as yourself mm-hmm. uh, as long as that cycle continues then I think we'll continue to see the innovation. So I know it's a monster that has to be fed, but it looks it looks to me like it's it's being fed really well right now, and that's and, <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. Well that's awesome to see. That. Now l- let me ask you this, Mike. What has been what's been the public reaction, you know, to the theme and to what you've been showing? Because you, you've been you've been very open, very transparent about this. Uh, you, you've you've taken really good notes on your blog. Uh, I know that just in looking through the threads on Pinside, uh, there's there seems to be you know a, a good amount of chatter about what you've been doing. And from what I can tell, the reception has been overwhelmingly positive. But what are you seeing and what are you hearing? You know, kind of day to day. Do, I mean, do you, do you get a lot of feedback? Do you get a lot of people saying, hey, have you thought about this? Or, or are you going to do that? Or I, I'm just kind of curious because when you take a beloved theme like that and you mm-hmm. roll it into something that everybody's going to see, there's always going to be scenarios where what do you leave in, what do you leave out? I'm just kind of mm-hmm. curious as to what you've heard thus far. Yeah, I mean, so far, I mean, I've been blown away by the positive response. It's been it's been, been really cool. I mean, in, even on uh pin side where I'm coming from really not a 
not a crazy skill level or a whole lot of history in the pinball world at all and and just the so the support's been been really cool and and the feedback's been great too uh i've been getting i mean all kinds of ideas i've had people throwing ideas at me that that i did implement i was like oh man that that's a great idea you know like i do need to kind of throw that in there or sneak it in a little bit you know whether it's the the octopus from the cut scene you know from a cut scene in the movie you know that never even made it in the final movie but you know so i I had to sneak a little something in there for that and so it, a lot of it is uh, a lot of the the feedback's been been really good so if i you know throw up an idea oh i'm going to use these mp3 triggers and i you know i've had some really knowledgeable people reach out to me whether it's just through direct messaging and not even on the open forum just saying like hey i've been messing with this and um, you know, this worked for me, or uh, make sure you do not do this. Uh, it's going to save you a lot of headaches. So uh, I can say that. Uh, That's I mean, funny. Were, yeah, yeah. And uh, the response has been incredible. I mean, on the MP3 trigger alone, I was just kind of like, all right, yeah, I'll buy it. No problem. I'll get it. And I'll just figure it out when it's here. And then, yeah. you know, somebody reaches out like, do not tie that into the existing switches on the play field. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Good. Yeah, that's a. That's a good piece of advice. Well, th- that's actually the best advice you can get. I yeah. would rather have one piece of advice telling me what will not work than 50 pieces telling me ah, it should. You yeah. know, so, something along <laughs> yeah. those lines. So, yeah, consider yourself fortunate to, yeah. to having but, gotten yeah, but, that. Yeah, well, you're right, though. The, the theme is so beloved by uh, so many people. And, and, you know, I hope I can just kind of, you know, do it justice in a sense in the end. And, you know, there's always going to be something left out. And there's no rhyme or reason i mean actually come to think of it i don't even think i have sloth anywhere on the play field okay so that might actually bum some people out <laughs> <laughs> well you know what it does is, is it you know it gives you something to work on you know after yeah. the fact you know so yeah, yeah. so i'm sure that there's there's always something like you say if you're if you're never done with it or if you're always tinkering with it that's probably the better way to say it then then there's always yeah. you know room to add on yeah, it'll never be done. You know, by the next show that comes around, I'll have some other additions. Because, I mean, I'm not pushing really kind of any, you know, uh, technology boundaries or anything like that with with what I've done with it so far. But it'd be fun to kind of start messing with, um, you know, video or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what else yet. But, you know, who knows what will come from it. But it'd be fun to then just kind of challenge myself in other ways. Well, that, that brings up an interesting point, and it's and it is a question that I wanted to ask. I uh, had it on on my list to ask, but I'll go ahead and ask it here because the segue is just so good. Mm-hmm. When you're done with the with the retheme, the Goonies retheme, and the machine is the machine's where you want it, okay? Then, Mike, what 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 happens next? I mean, do you take the Goonies theme and roll it into, let's say, a a, a scratch build pinball machine and do do like a second version of the Goonies or are you going to look to another theme altogether or are you just going yeah. to um, are you just going to play the machines that you have and grow your collection I'm, I'm kind of curious as to as to where you go with it because once you yeah. get so invested in something like a theme like this uh, it seems to me that in order to realize the full value you almost have to kind of keep going you just don't want to just don't want to drop it kind of dust off your hands and call it job done per se yeah yeah no absolutely it you know i probably won't do another another one of them but i'll I'll always keep messing with this one and trying to make it better and add more elements to it but you know i think next i do have some plans for another machine okay uh after this and 
and I've thrown out, you know, I've just kind of, you know, thought about doing another movie theme or something like that. And, you know, one idea I had was doing uh, Police Academy, I think would be really funny. Um, but, <laughs> yes, it but would. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just a big Steve Gutenberg on the back glass would be pretty awesome. But, um, but I think I move on. I, I think I'm going to do an original theme next. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so would you would you retheme an existing machine, or or is that something that you would, you know, get like a pinheck board or something like that, and just kind of kind of go at it from scratch and and push the boundary yeah. push the boundaries a little bit further? Yeah, I think I'd go. To, I'd like to go further with it rather than just a retheme. You yeah. know, maybe start with an existing cabinet just to kind of you know kick things off. But um, but other than that, I think a custom play field, a you know custom rule set, and really challenge myself to to really learn some some cool stuff that's awesome that's awesome yeah, i, I yeah. would i will certainly wish you the best with that because I, I, that, <laughs> that's the nice progression you know from yeah. from from where you start versus where you are to where you end up i mean that's a that's yeah. a very neat story to be able to tell it'd be fun i mean i think with this goonies project was really for me just learning the basics um you know understanding you know what it takes to make a pinball machine work really um, and make a cool machine out of it, you know, kind of a piece of art in a sense, you know, for the house or for people to enjoy. But other than that, I think the next one will really be for me to take it to that next level. Like, all right, now that I understand how it works and what drives a pinball machine, you know, what what else can we do that would be really interesting? And I've got some 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 uh, some things here. You know, some resources here in town. There's a great new maker space that my buddy owns and. Uh, so, you know, I think I can, you know, access to some 3d printers and all this other stuff. It'd be big CNC machines and stuff like that. So I think we could, uh, you know, maybe partner up with a couple of my buddies and see what we can do. Oh no, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, have you had anyone from the pinball community proper, you know, reach out and say, Hey, we, we'd like to work with you. You know, once this project's over with, we'd like to work with you you know, on, on your next project or anything like that. I, I mean, I'm just kind of curious what industry support you, you may have gotten or industry interest that, that you may have gotten, you know, based upon this, because a lot of people will say they're going to build a pinball machine, but uh, for the people that say it versus the people that do it, uh, you definitely reached a milestone there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is uh, two different things, isn't it? But it is. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but no, no, I, I haven't had anybody reach out or anything like that. But you never know; something could come up. But uh, they'll they'll need to see it in person to see if my quality of work's really up to snuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I think it looks pretty good. But I might be a little critical on myself. Oh no, no. Well, if it looks as good as the pictures uh, show it to look, then it, it's it's going to be fine. I mean, the thing is big and Thanks. bold. It's yellow. <laughs> I mean, there's there's. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's, it's right there. I don't even really care for yellow that much. But I've got now all of a sudden this Goonies machine. I've got this Goonies Nintendo machine next to it. And yeah, it's obnoxious. <laughs> well, but it, but it is in a good way. I mean, it's uh, yeah, let's put definitely. it this way. You know, you you kind of make the air quotes and say large and in charge, and it, yeah, it, it is that. Yeah, totally. It's 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 definitely that it's definitely that so yeah i mean you don't make a machine to just blend into the background you know so no it, it definitely does not do that i mean it, it would be hard to pass on this machine and uh it reaches out and grabs you and it makes you want to stop and, 
and take a look at it. Theme notwithstanding, just the you know the, the, the colors that you've chosen and just yeah. the way that you know just the way that the armor's done and everything like that. It's uh, it, it's definitely it definitely has personality. I, I, I know it's in I know it's in the same shape as the Hollywood Heat, but like the the back box and everything on that is is fairly unique. You know from from a shape and a curvature and everything. Sure. So I, I think it I think it, it fits the theme well. You know from from that regard, it's it doesn't look like every other machine. Yeah, yeah, I hope not. You know, definitely I want it to stand out, you know, when it's at a show or if it's at my buddy's bar or something like that. I, I, you know, I hope it just really catches people's eyes and, you know, they, they take a chance at it. Yeah, well, you mentioned it at your buddy's bar. I mean, does Goonies go on route when you're done with this? I mean, are, are you is it gonna is it gonna be somewhere where the public can enjoy it, or is it gonna stay inside your personal collection, or just do the show circuit, or what? Yeah, mainly in my personal collection. If I do something like, let's say, at my buddy's bar, it'll be for a specific event, kind of a thing. Uh, okay. You know, a weekend art show. So it'll be incorporated into something, but it, it'll be mainly at my home, and and I'll try to hit. You know, some di- different shows. There, there'll be a show towards the beginning of the year in South Florida. Um, Ape, it's called. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so should be down for that too. Um, you know, I'll try to, you know, I, I, I really just like supporting these type of community um, expos uh, as much as possible. And if I can get to it, great. You know, my schedule works out or budget or whatever the case may be. <laughs> yeah, budget. I, I want people to yeah. see it. No, that that's great. That's great. I, I certainly hope that I get a chance to see it as well. Hopefully, it'll make it up to uh, the Southern Fried Game Room Expo uh, next year. So, if oh, it's yeah, uh, not very far, it's it's not very far. And so, Brent and I will definitely be at that show. So, if it can if it can make it up to Atlanta, then we'll certainly see you then. And I'll I'll be looking forward to playing it too. That'll be neat. Yeah, totally. I'd love to get it up there. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, Mike, listen, I tell you, I, I thank you for your time tonight. I mean, it's sure. it's been a great story to hear and to start from you know the the love of the hobby and you know and, and admittingly saying, okay, I've got a problem I want to solve, <laughs> and, and I'm <laughs> not exactly sure how I'm going to solve it, but I but yeah. you know, by golly, I'm going to get it solved and I'm going to make a sure. machine all the way to getting a machine to the point to where it makes its debut at you know at, at a national show. Essentially, I mean, Free Play Florida has gotten a lot of coverage and so it's not a small show by any means at this point Mm -hmm. i mean i I consider that a a definite accomplishment well thank you yes sir so we look forward to hearing more from you and we look forward to seeing uh, the goonies machine uh when it's uh when it's doing the show circuit and everything like that so mike i thank you for taking the time to speak with us tonight and uh real quick before we wrap up how can people find uh find you find more out more out about your project and get in touch with you if they wanted to you know if they wanted to talk to you about anything yeah cool thanks for asking um, if you go to gooniespinball.com is the website, uh, which is my just general blog, and I try to keep that updated. I, I really like to do the video blog kind of thing, too, as much as possible, but uh, there should be some contact info on there. If not, you can reach me at uh, on Instagram. I, I, I live on Instagram, but uh, it's at uh, Mike, M-I-K-E-A-T-S-P-A-R-K-Y-S. So it's at Mike at Sparky's. Okay. And uh, yeah, that'd be the best way to go. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll certainly have that information in the uh, show notes for this episode and we'll make sure that uh, we'll make sure that, that everybody, you know, can, uh, can click a link and get over to you and see more about what you're working on and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Hey, and listen, uh, the offer to, uh, to grab a beer still stands, man. So I look forward <laughs> to doing that. 
Heck yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Mike, thanks a lot for being on the show. You told a great story. It was really interesting. And uh, it's just neat to see how something like that comes, you know, comes to pass. So uh, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule, especially when you've got, you know, the deadline for the show looming. Uh, I, I really appreciate you, you taking the time tonight and talk with us. Yeah, thanks, dude. Okay, we'll see you. Yep, bye. bye. Whitney, yes. it is time. I love this part of the show, for man. Your <laughs> yes, favoritist. Oh, I love this part of the show, Most man. Favorite, bouncing up and down in the seat, man. That's why I'm like I'm drawing this out to just like just make <laughs> yes. it painful to yeah. you. I know it, it is time. It's time. It's that time for man. your most favorite part of the show. Yeah, where, the part where we talk about new stuff. New stuff. Let's talk art, art. releases. Yes. New toys mods what's everything up? tell us tons of stuff man so let's take the arcade side first and, and kind of break it down for there because we got some kickstarter action we got some artwork action we got pieces and parts action all, all the way across the board the one thing i do want to say and i'm going to wrap this topic and go ahead and put a put a nail in it because at this point it's done we actually made the Rally X reproduction, bezel reproduction happen, and I'm Sweet. so happy about that. And I just want, well, I say we, I mean, the, the the collective community made it happen, but I'm just so happy, and I say we, Brent, because you and I both are in on that, okay? And I'm just so happy that that went, and we are finally, finally, finally going to get uh, Rally X bezels, and I, I hope we can do marquees at some point in the future. So. Now, now I just have to find the rest of the game. That's exactly right. But you were wise in getting it, you know, when the getting was good, because who knows uh, who knows what the status on that will be going well, forward. Had, so I've, I had a Burger Time bezel sitting around a long time. Yeah, before yeah. the Burger Time. That's so. it. That's it. So it's if you think you're going to need it, and with Rally X, you will need it. So it's it's a good thing to get. So let's let's talk let's talk new stuff here, man. So, Brent, the day that we're recording this, it's Sunday afternoon, like mid-month in February, uh, within just a couple, well, five days ago, we had uh, something happen that I didn't think I would ever, that I would actually ever see happen, is we had a Kickstarter fire up for reproducing the, what's considered the version one or the, the short the short buttons that are used in, uh, Nintendo buttons that are used in a Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., uh, Mario Brothers, Popeye and Donkey Kong 3. Now, the reason that this is significant, uh, Brent, I'm, I'm sure as you know, those those buttons, those orange and blue buttons, are in um, never-ending demand, okay? Collectors are after those things all the time, and there have been attempts at reproducing those buttons. Uh, Mike's Arcade has had a um, has had a replacement button, not a reproduction, but a replacement button uh, available for uh, you know, blue and orange replacements for quite some time. And for folks that don't know, those the buttons produced by Nintendo are unique. Yeah, they're unique to the Nintendo line of line. games. That's exactly you right. Know, everyone, everyone else from a Leaf Switch button perspective used the Wicko button. They did, or something very, very similar, very similar, but dimensionally, you know, interchangeable. Yes, the the Nintendo button was its own little creature. They they are they're their own little creature. They're you know the tops of the buttons are are recessed very very nicely for your fingertip. They have kind of a, a a sharp edge to them, at least on the version one buttons. 
uh, Punch Out and uh, in, in other later Nintendo games used a, a little bit longer style button, but it, it's essentially a variation of the same thing. So, so here's the thing: Mike's Arcade is running this Kickstarter, okay, and he is running this in conjunction with Brian from Paradise Arcade Shop out of Hawaii. Now, anybody who has been on Clove for any length of time and may have stumbled across the thread that sourced this piece of news will know that Brian has been working on this project for two and a half years, somewhere around in there. And it looks like uh, a partnership between Brian and Mike's Arcade Shop from a molding perspective uh, is going to make this go. So this is good news for Mike, this is good news for Brian, and this is good news for the community. Um, I have talked to Brian uh, personally through some through some uh, a series of PMs on Clove just to make sure that I understand, you know, how the the flow of of uh, information is running and the partnership and everything like that. And uh, Brian and, and Mike are are working cooperatively to make this happen. And so I want to make sure that we thank uh, we thank Mike for uh, you know for uh, I think kind of getting the Kickstarter and uh, having the molding sources here in, in the States and getting this done. And we want to thank Brian for all of the research and all of the, the I guess what I consider the, the prep work that has led up to this, uh, to this Kickstarter happening. I don't think we would see this happening without the contribution of either of those guys. So thank you, Brian. And thank you, Mike. So, it looks like it's rolling along from a cash perspective. Oh, it is, man. So here's the thing. Uh, I'm looking inside our, our, our one note here, our show notes. When I recorded this, uh, when I took this down yesterday, Brent, it was uh, five days in, and we already had $1,775 of the required 7500 okay? If you're checking it right now, I don't know if it's any different or if it's gone up since It's gone then. up a little bit. Oh, it, has it? Yeah, okay. it's, a, it's at eighteen fifty-five okay. right now. Okay, all right. So with the, 24 good. days to go. Okay, so cool. Another $100 made it in. You know, this thing has started off pretty strong. I don't, I mean, me personally, I don't see it not making it. Uh, you know, we're already, well, we're essentially already 25% uh, of the way there, almost 25% of the way there um, in, you know, five to six days. So I, I think that's rolling. I think that is rolling on pretty strong. Hey, let me give, or unless you were going to do it, Whitney, I, yeah. like uh, a couple of the pledge levels. Yes. You know, 25 bucks. Will get you a set of Donkey Kong buttons. Uh-huh. Two, uh huh. What? Two blue and one orange. Two blue and one orange. Right. So, right. You know, twenty five bucks. You get a set of a brand new. Uh, I guess as original. One hundred supposedly one hundred percent accurate reproductions. Okay, that's spring tension. That's the that's the feel of the button tip. You know, the the proper amount of you know the proper amount of uh, bowl inside the button tip, yeah. and the the proper um, sharpness of the button edge, and uh, you know the the metric sizing and the button you know the the button depth and everything like that. Eclipse and the whole nine yards. Yeah, so twenty five bucks will get you uh, will get you a set color match. And I think that it just says ships anywhere in the world. So I'm assuming that it means twenty five dollars shipped. Uh, thirty bucks gets you one set of Mario Brothers buttons, which is two blue and two orange. Yeah, it is ten dollars shipping. Oh, so is it? It, okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to add ten bucks to whatever you pledged for shipping. So, so, so basically, the pledge amounts is just uh, a a number of sets of DK or Mario Brothers combinations. So you're either going to yeah. get some combo of two blue one orange for like a donkey kong setup mm -hmm. or, or junior or a junior same thing yeah, yeah same Popeye, thing. popeyes uses the same one so yeah. uh or you're gonna get uh, uh two and two for like your mario brothers that's exactly right so you know there's there's various levels and it basically just gives you additional 
um, increments of sets yeah. for your for your games. So the way that you, the way that you have to look at this is it's eight dollars, essentially eight dollars a button for what Mike promises to be uh, or what is advertising to be a perfect reproduction. Now I I know from from a from an economics perspective, $8 for a button is kind of high. But at the same point, when you think about what you're getting for the $8, I think it's actually a very good deal. Okay. All things considered, because Brent, these things are made, of, these things are unobtainium I see, as, we, as we know them today. Now, very I, hard to find. I don't keep up with the, the parts to mm-hmm. the level that I know you do, but yep. it seems like whenever I see it, a nice yeah. DK orange button. 25 bucks. Yeah. Used. Yes, used. And if you get a new old stock one. Oh, who knows what it'd be? 30, 40 bucks, man, somebody 50 needs bucks? To have a, if somebody had a box of those, they would cash in. Well, they, they need to do it quick. Uh, well, they, they need to do it quick, per se, per se. But if someone did have a box of buttons, they would they they could make some money. There's no doubt. All that being said, here's why this is important, okay? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, we're going to get these buttons, okay? And it's going to make a lot of machines look really, really good. But from a follow-on perspective, the red buttons, the black buttons, the green buttons, okay? Uh, and especially the, uh, the red tint colors like the crimson, the purple, and stuff like that. Mike has said that... If these sell well, if this funds and this works its way out, this paves the way for getting the other the other buttons reproduced as well. Even the even the longer style punch out buttons that have uh, kind of a shallower a more shallow bowl and are smoother on the top. And, you know, I guess what would be considered the revision two Nintendo buttons. But, I didn't uh, I didn't realize there was that much fair i, I don't yeah, no. work in the nintendo world i know like you do i did not realize there was that much variation in yeah the so a donkey kong button and a punch out button are not the same buttons so they have a completely different feel to them you know from a from a, a, a you know finger press standpoint so um anyway so the kickstarter's rolling we'll have a link to the show notes uh, i would suggest that if anybody uh you know has some nintendo machines and they've always wanted to you know get true accurate buttons that this this would be the thing to do um real quick i just i wanted to add this as a sideline because I thought this was interesting. While I was talking to Brian at Paradise Arcade, he let me know about a project that he is running. It's a dual JAMA in MAME switcher. Now, Brent, I you know I personally I don't think I'd have much use for this, but the more I read up on it, the more I thought it was pretty ingenious because what this is would allow you to do is to take your standard JAMA cabinet, throw a couple JAMA boards in it, get that true arcade experience, okay, with those JAMA boards, and swap them out, do whatever you want to. You know, like I say, it is a switcher. But then you could also hook a main machine up in that JAMA cabinet and switch, you know, switch between your dedicated JAMA boards and then flip-flop over and switch to a main setup if you wanted to. I personally love this because I could have MAME and JAMA in the same cabinet without having a second cabinet, okay? I think it's pretty neat, all right? Now, it's it's in the interest um, stage right now. It's not immediately for sale today, but Brian has done all the design work on it, and uh, we'll have a link to the interest thread in the show notes. And I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool product. Like I say, I I don't know that I would uh, have an immediate need for it, but it's it's nice to know that it that it would exist. Now this now this next thing, Brent, uh, is something that has been something has been somewhat of a hot topic on Clove, and we're going to talk about wiring harnesses because 
there's been some uh, start and stops on getting wiring harnesses uh, reproduced uh, in the community. There's been some people that have, uh, for lack of a better term, Brent, just ripped other people off. Okay. Okay. They yeah. have uh, they have promised harnesses uh, and they have not come through, and so. I think as a whole, the community is a little, uh, I'm not going to say jaded, but I will because I'd be speaking for everybody, but I think it's safe to say that people are generally more cautious than they normally would be when it comes to uh, paying out for uh, harness reproductions. The good thing about this is um, we do have uh, a verified, uh, a good member, uh, his name's Wildfire on Clove, and he runs a website called Golden Arcade Part, GoldenArcadeParts.com, and he is a uh, Golden Age Arcade. I'm, thank you. Golden Golden Thank Age you. Arcade Parts. Golden Age Arcade Parts. Thank you. I'm scrolling and reading at the same time, and that just doesn't work out. Um, oh, he, I'm, Whitney, I'm going to be reading later, and uh, hilarity will ensue. So go <laughs> exactly. Go ahead. And I'm not sure what's at that URL, and I probably don't want to know. But anyway, <laughs> um, he is reproducing a Warlord's cocktail uh, wiring harness, and that is the complete harness with the two control panel harnesses added in. It's $140 shipped. Um, it is in pre-order status right now. And uh, I, I have high confidence that this one will will make its way through. Um, another couple of items here, and Brent, this is for the uh, the cabaret uh, owners in in the in the uh, li- listening audience. Atari cabaret owners. Atari, yes, thank you, thank you for thank you for the distinction. The Atari cabaret owners. These are control panels uh, that are die punched. Uh, well, there's two. There's a general control panel. Uh, that uh, blanks that are not punched for anything, but then there's also one that is die punched for centipede, uh, powder coated black with uh, hinges and latches. Uh, that is being done by Take Man on Clove as well. So, uh, as everybody knows, uh, Take Man's uh, very very good at what he does. He is uh, one of the metal masters, I guess, on uh, on reproduction arcade parts. So these these will be very very nice. Um, let's see, Brent. Another thing that is of interest here before we talk about a little bit of reproduction artwork is uh, something that I every time I look at this, I want to get it, but I I just don't have I don't have a need for it right now. But it's, well, I've it's, got one. It's cool that it exists. What's I've got one of these. Oh, you do? And, uh, oh, nice. do I have a need for one? <laughs> well, then that means I ought to buy it. You know, but <laughs> the, exactly, neener, neener, neener. But um, this is this is sweet, man. This is an NES cartridge to play choice adapter. This is the second run of these. They're a hundred dollars shipped, and uh, this is being run by uh, the good man Buffett on Clove, and he has taken this project over from forum member twenty six hundred. You know, from from a you know from a packaging and delivery standpoint, and everything like that. And if if everybody remembers, twenty six hundred is the forum member that we mentioned last show that is doing the double punch uh, circuit board. So for a punch out and super punch out. And uh, we will have some links uh, in the show notes for uh, for the forum thread. And, you know, as a general rule of thumb, you know, this supports playing NES games on a Play Choice PCB. Uh, it supports a power pack. Uh, extra audio channel is, is uh, supported when used with a power pack. It requires a modified BIOS and things in order for it to work. Um, not all the NES games work. They've not all been tested. But as a general rule of thumb, uh, I think you're going to be uh, pleasantly surprised with what does work versus what does yeah, not. Yeah, I think when I got on board with it, the the list of 
didn't work was was really really small yeah yeah so, and i'm sure that as the code has been uh as the code has been you know refined in the bios i know there's been a bios update to it uh as well i'm sure that that's added support for some more games but uh yeah good good point though brent that's one of those things where you know even if you don't need it it's not a bad thing to to be invested in I, it's just that i don't have a i don't have a, a play choice 10 or a play choice right now and so i wouldn't have anything to run it on but uh, you know as with most everything in the arcade hobby we're not hoarders we're just select we're we just selectively use our stuff you know so i'm just deferring usage to a later point well, in time in my in my endless list of pro, uh, projects I do have a blue Nintendo cabinet out in the garage, okay. and I've got a couple single single monitor Play Choice Ten boards, and okay. I've got the proper control panel to go in a uh-huh. single monitor see, DK see, style cab, so and you, the you, harness and everything. You, so you're a lot further along than I would be on on making that thing a reality. So yeah. so it is neat, but this is the second run, and the first run was very successful. I don't know if Buffett will do a third one or not. I, I'm sure he may at some point but we'll we'll just have to see but anyway we'll, we'll have links to that in the show notes and before we flip over and talk about some pinball stuff here brent this is this is one thing that i've been looking forward to for quite some time and it is in uh the interest status right now but for anybody with an asteroids deluxe you'll you probably already know how crappy the uh the cardboard bezel that and and that's a a uv black light reflective bezel can be in these machines and how the wide variances of of the brightness of the color and the richness of the color and everything like that so um darren from phoenix arcade has taken on uh the research behind reproducing this entire bezel setup and it's pretty it's pretty i mean pretty amazing here we're talking about you know we're talking about a total of eight pieces of cardboard here okay um punched cut and scored you know for the bins and everything like that ready to drop into your asteroids deluxe machine um that is painted uh in the uv reactive paint um he does have all the details okay on how he has had to research finding uh the artists that can do this uh and and i'm not going to recant the entire thread but he has done a lot of homework uh, it sounds like in order to make this uh, project a go. So, um, and like I said, this is silk screened onto the onto the the uh, the paper stock and, and everything along those lines. It is one hundred and forty dollars shipped. Uh, it is not selling as of yet. Darren needs to get you know a certain number of um, a certain number of, of you know interested parties committed to doing this before he pulls the trigger on it. This is one of those things, Brent. And everybody out there, uh, almost like the Rally X parts, I don't foresee this being something that's done over and over again. Because it seems con- very involved. I mean, <laughs> just when you're talking about the number of pieces. It, yes. And the- yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Like I said, we'll have a link to the thread in the show notes and on the blog post. But go out and read. The, you know, click click that link. Go into Clove and just read up on what Darren has had to do to get an artist that is committed to doing it that has the the appropriate credentials and the talent for doing it. And it's been um, it it's been far far involved. I, I'm, I I'm just looking at some of the dimensions and the uh, uh, of some of the pieces. Next time I look at a deluxe, I'm going to have to actually look at it. It's to a, see what's it's in there. Beautiful. It's wow. it's utterly beautiful. 
That being said, um, you know, getting nice ones is easier said than done. And this is a way to uh, instantly make your Asteroids Deluxe look as new as it did the day that it came off the line when you're staring into the machine. And the thing about this, Brent, is that bezel is recessed into the machine, wraps around the playfield area, and, and well, essentially it's kind of like reflected off of it, I, mm-hmm. I, I guess is the better way to say that. And it sets the backdrop for that entire game. I mean, that bezel... Those bezel pieces is like the entire personality of that play field. And so you're going to you're gonna look at this every single time you play that machine, and it's going to pop right out at you. And it's three-dimensional. It's purple. It's orange. It's green. It's yellow. It's, it's, it's awesome. So um, I, I think for everything that's going to be involved in doing this, and I doubt it'll ever be done twice, uh, you know, and I know I say that a lot, but it is true. I mean, you've got to think about the market on this stuff and how – what's going to be the economic feasibility of him sitting on inventory for that for the next five years? It probably not a lot. So, and it looks like the run's pretty involved. So you know, yes. if you're going to do it, he's going to do it and yeah. he's going to move on to other projects. And then he's going to move on to other stuff. And the one thing I will say, uh, and, and I'll, I'll say this about uh, Darren and rich at the same time, I have to give those guys kudos for taking on what people want. Okay. Because like rally X, that was a request this is a request. I mean, they're making stuff, they're willing stuff into existence that people just want, you know? So you got to kind of, you got to support it when it comes around. So, so that that's it, Brent. I mean, that's kind of a, a little bit of a whirlwind tour, but there's, there's a lot to cover in that, uh, you know, in that, in the arcade space, but man, you know, it's one of those things every month just brings out new things that are popping up you know, to help keep our machines alive. You so know, it's, stuff, it's stuff great, you, great fun. Stuff you need and stuff you didn't think you needed. <laughs> it, there it is. And there it is. So, so Brent, tell us about the pinball side. What's happening there? So think. speaking of things that you didn't know you needed, but you do need, uh, plastic protectors. So, oh, uh, yes. Pin side member Indy Pinhead has came uh, come out with a couple uh, sets of plastic protectors for a couple uh, pretty popular and pretty awesome games. The first one that I want to bring to everyone's attention is a set for the Williams Bad Cats. Yeah. Now I've gotten to play the first Bad Cats I got to play was actually it uh, uh, belonged to Phoebe Smith. That's uh, that's that's the one that I that's the first one that I played as well. And uh, not having had played it before, uh, didn't know what to expect, and I really like that game. Yeah, it's I'd, a lot of fun. I'd like to have a Bad Cats now. But that aside, if I had a Bad Cats, I would definitely be looking into this plastic protect protector set. So basically, what he has he's created is it's a 15 piece polycarbonate set. For and I'm not sure if this is all the plastics, but looking at it, I can see where there's slingshots, there's ball balling guides. It looks like some of the bigger pieces probably in the upper part, uh, you know, toward the back of the the back box, not not in the head, but toward the back board rather at the top yeah, of the playfield. Top of the playfield. Yeah. And looking at this, uh, another picture here of it looks like the left side of the playfield. You can see a slingshot. You can see a couple of the ball guides, the plastic ball guides. It's real prevalent in Williams era games of that you know this this genre where you come down you know f- through some metal metal lanes and then you get like a plastic almost hockey stick ball guide that gets you down to the flippers so that's what i'm taking a look at and it's a it's a clear polycarbonate piece that fits i can't tell if they're below or above probably below the actual plastic and they give you about an eighth of an inch perhaps a little less all the way around that plastic so basically you've got a bumper area or a border and just looking at it at first, when I first saw the picture, I really couldn't see it. Yeah. Yes. And studying it, realizing what I'm looking for, 
it, it's obvious now that it's there. It's there, yeah. So it it protects, but yet it doesn't really detract from the game at all, at least not from the pictures I'm taking a look at. So um, we'll have link links to this and the next one. He's also released a set, uh, a six-piece set for uh, Dracula. And I'm looking at, I, I'm, I'm if, guessing. Have you, have you played Dracula? I have not. Oh, it, it is fun. I have not. I like it. It is a fun game. So I, I see slingshots and I see a few other pieces and I, I'm guessing these are probably pretty high wear areas. That's why he focused on just these six pieces. So that set uh, for Dracula is $46. And again, clear polycarbonate. And uh, I'm assuming that it's just like this Bad Cats picture I'm looking at where it you know, fits under the plastic and gives you that little area of protection all the way around it. So yeah. if you've got either a Bad Cats or a Dracula, you might want to check these out. Yeah, check out the threads on Pinside. I think it's neat that this stuff is coming out for these machines that are that are old, you know, and, well, Bad Cats is definitely, you know, a little bit older, I, I believe, uh, but nonetheless... They're, it's nice that you can preserve what's going on with those machines because these things get harder and harder to fix as time goes by. Uh, also, CPR, Classic Playfield Restorations, has made an announcement. I knew you would love this one. Uh, I put this one in just for you, man. <laughs> they are going to reproduce the Adams Family Playfield. Yes. And <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I looked at Whitney. I was like, I'm surprised it hadn't been reproduced. And I think the reason it hasn't is because of the sheer number of games that were produced i think that was like yeah. a twenty thousand unit run yeah north of that and i'm sure the licensing too bren i, I mean well I, I was i was going from the perspective of yeah a lot of them get worn because the game had a lot of play but there's also a lot of examples out there mm-hmm. so you you wh- what market are you selling to but you're gonna sell i mean that's a very popular game it still gets a lot of play today um people are going to want that that's something i'm just really honestly i'm kind of surprised it's not been produced as of yet but it looks like it's going to happen well and here's the thing um and i'll mention this uh for anybody who is a big fan of pinball arcade you know the kickstarter to bring the adams family to pinball arcade was Mm -hmm. successful as well and i know that the licensing on it was uh was one of the major major hurdles so the timing on this seems to work out about the same i don't know if they're related or not i have no i have no special insight into that whatsoever but it's cool to see a cpr play field for the adams family and then be able to play the adams family on pinball arcade and those essentially be major announcements right within weeks of each other well so it's good stuff they, they may be tied in that uh, w- once the the license holder was approached for pinball arcade it, it kind of you know in this day and age Maybe it opened up the, the all these gates, so all these years later they're like oh there's still a market for this yeah now I know that the the Kickstarter for the pinball arcade. They mentioned that the the price for that. Uh, memory serves they do it. They were doing a Kickstarter per table. Yes. And yes. the Adams family was a little higher, and it was related to the to the licensing. To the licensing, so. yeah. But regardless, it looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that's neat. I mean, uh, before we started recording, Brent and I flipped over to CPR's. Uh, website and looked at the price of the of the playfield and it does come at a premium. There's no doubt about it. I mean, what was it, Brent? Like five, like eight ninety five. I think it was eight ninety five. Yes. I mean that that's that's some money. That's that's some money. But at the same point, um, you know, it, it it is what it is. You know, if you need it, at least it's there. <laughs> I mean, I I can't complain about that. No, at if, all. If you really. realize the work that's involved, yes. I mean, not for first of all, you got to recreate the artwork. Okay. Uh, you've got to uh, have the play field, a play field, 
measured and reproduced in terms of all the stud locations, all the holes, all the cutouts uh, perfectly because you've got to match all the other parts that that you're going to swap onto the game. You know, you've got habit trails, you've got you got to have your uh, hole for the the vault or excuse me, the bookcase leading to the vault. That's got to be the perfect size. You know, you've you've got to have it in the right location to fit the habit trail. You got to have the you know you've got to work through all of that. And then the production, you know, you've got to cut the play field. You've got to sand the play field. You've got to uh, round up all the inserts. And then you've got to screen the play field. So it's not, tons, tons it's, not it's not trivial. a trivial endeavor. No, it is not. Not at all. So, it's neat to see it happen, though. Yeah, I will awesome. say that. Yeah, we'll say that. I don't know if I'm going to be a buyer. I'm real happy with my play field right now and my Adams. Yeah. But if that day does come where, you know, I need to do something with it. Man, I, I, it looks like there's going to be an avenue. It seems like CPR does a does a good job of keeping a stock. And once they do, when they do it, there's there's a supply out there for a while. But I don't know. Adams is so popular. That, that's that's kind of a fence center thing for me. I mean, do you I jump know. on it? I don't so, know. I don't know. I, I mean, they had a pre order, and it looks if, like the pre order's over. But I mean, if I was I on the fence, know. if I was on the fence for something, if I was on the fence for this, I think I would quickly fall to the I'm going to take advantage of it side. Yeah, definitely. You know, just, just because of what it is, it's not been out there for a long time. I know it's going to have a lot of people coming after it, and I can see where that might take anything additional they produce out of the market. And, you know, I don't know how long they'll have the license to, to redo that, so they may be able to run these things for a year, and then they're done. You know, point, so So there, there's there's going to be a time window. I know it's not indefinite. Yeah, so you if know? you need one, check out CPR. We'll have a link. Uh, link in the show notes. Yep. Yep. So Brent, let's work through a little bit of feedback here. And I love, love, love this part of the show because we get to, uh, you know, we get to, to really recognize everybody who's taken some time and wrote into us. And Brent, I'll, I'll say this, the feedback over the past, I'd say three to four months is really ramped up and it's, it's great, great, great to see it. And I, I do want to say this, you know, I, I know it may take us a day or two to respond back to everybody and it, sometimes even a little longer. And I, I apologize for that up front, but we do take great pride in making sure that we respond back to everybody who's, who sends us feedback. So please keep it coming and uh, keep it rolling in. And we, we love to hear from everybody. So with that, Brent, let's, uh, let's, wor- let's go ahead and, and work through a little bit of the email feedback. And the first one we have uh, this month is from Matt Gard. And Matt writes in, he says, Hey, Whitney and Brent, thanks for doing a great podcast. A while back, y'all were discussing how we need more interactive toppers for our video games. And I really like that idea. I may even try to do something with the Tempest Super Zapper idea for my machine. You remember? Now, we were talking about that, gosh, way back in like episode, what, nine or eight or something like that when we were up at the Place Retro Arcade. Yes, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's neat to see that that uh, has some traction. So, um, so Matt goes on to write, and he says, I just got to see the project that Clay Cowgill did for Halloween 2013. He goes, I'm behind the times, I know. And I'm like, trust me, Matt. It's no worries, boss. We all are. Hey, uh, Matt, I missed that, too. I, I was real behind. <laughs> so Let me tell you. It was I, cool. I, 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 I didn't even know it existed until Matt wrote yeah. us, and I went and looked it up. So, Matt, you got one on us anyway. And so he goes, it's really awesome. Uh, he even built a custom daughter board to pull the CPU for in-game events. I can't uh, even tell you all the things that are special about this machine. You should check it out on his page uh, and see it all for yourself. We'll, we'll include a link to that uh, in the show notes. And he goes, looking forward to seeing you in Atlanta again for SFG. And Matt, I will say we're looking forward to it as well. Looking forward to seeing you. Uh, please don't be a stranger. Come up and uh, see us. And um, I'll even say I'll buy first round. Now, did, you, did you remember meeting? I know we 
met a lot of folks, but um, I remember Matt and actually his wife were at yes. SFGE. Yes, I remember them uh, as well. His wife is an awesome singer. Yes. Yeah, because she got up uh, during that time and... Uh, uh, rock, so, that rock band. The rock were, band. That was yes. the rock band contest, and she got up and sang. Yes, so and I then, do remember that. And then after the show, she actually uh, sent preston patrick and all the rest of the folks she a, did a, a little song. a little song for oh, no. it was yeah it's great it's no, great so nobody ever sings for us <laughs> yet <laughs> dot 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 yet <laughs> uh that's awesome man so, so yeah thanks a lot man we appreciate you writing in man so now i've got one from danny all right uh, out of the jersey shore and it Danny's letter was a little long, so I'm going to kind of hit the high points of it here, and yeah. and uh, we'll kind of touch on that. So uh, let me start by saying how much I enjoy listening to, to your podcast. Now, of course, I could have cut that out, but I like just hearing that. So That's <laughs> great. I, I'm going to hit it again. Yeah. Let me just start by saying how much I enjoy listening to your podcast. Yeah, awesome. I had the pleasure. Oh, ooh, the pleasure. I had the pleasure of meeting both of you along with Whitney's wife at Pinball Expo in Chicago. Well, the highlight of that would have been Whitney's wife. That would have. <laughs> she, she's definitely the the better half of of this third so that's, she's that's far, for sure. and she's far nicer than the than yes. the two of us yes put together so uh chicago last november my comment pertains to the so-called cartoon booth brent is currently working See, dude, on i'm telling you man this this thing's taking on a life of its own dude it's, it's playing it's casper great. right now it's playing oh, casper wow. the friendly I ghost i can't tell you the last time i saw casper I can, wow. about about a microsecond ago. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I am not sure what your final decision will be as, uh, as to what you will choose to actually run the software for your project. Therefore, please bear with me as I provide some thoughts. So then Danny talks a little bit about a, uh, a machine that he'd put together and kind of its genesis from uh, what was uh, originally a 60 and one and then kind of working its way through um, into a, a MAME setup with a hyperspin front end. And it looks like Danny, he's kind of been in the hobby for about 15 years. So he's got some, he's got some time there. He's, he's seen got this some stuff chops. Yeah, Danny's got some chops. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let me, Danny goes on to say the solution I used was some, Danny is, is kind of getting into that, uh, d- the discussion that I've kind of had with myself and a little bit, you know, with, with you all on, on the show about how to power things off. And Danny was kind of coming to that that point as well trying to decide how to do it so and and danny continues the solution i used was something called a power switch tail which allowed me to which allowed me to use the pc to indirectly control power to my monitor audio amp and marquee lighting i configured the pc's power button to carry out a normal shutdown when it was accessed because the switch is just an ordinary contact closure it acts as a toggle to power up or shut down correctly i used an unused hard drive power connector to apply voltage to the power switch tail and then this is all capitalized so i'm i actually need to look this up uh danny i, I believe that this is going to be a product yeah this it's an actual product the, the way that it's it's phrased in the email they these look like it looks like an actual product you're right and, and you know and i apologize danny um I should have been a little bit more up on this. Whitney and I were just prior to recording working through some email issues as it relates to the the podcast box. So uh, I have unfortunately not done my homework, but I will remedy that shortly. So anyway, um, to apply voltage to the power switch tail attached to a common power strip to either power up or down the other items. I mounted the power switch remotely in the cabinet, shelled windows to hyperspin, uh, would boot on power up and away I went. So I kind of my thing, Danny was I didn't want to actually even have to push a button. 
so I, this is an awesome idea though and it's not to say that i couldn't use it somewhere down the road or somebody out there couldn't use it and uh whitney will have to look up this power switch tail and learn a little bit more about it maybe oh, talk yeah, about it in the future and definitely look at including a link in the show notes and danny i think what i had i think i hit this earlier my game room actually runs on a master switch so i can walk over to to one area in the game room hit a switch and the whole thing comes up all the equipment in the room all the games on the pins everything and then when i'm done i just walk over and flip the switch and it all goes off and that's not to say that i couldn't have a piece of equipment that's on normal wall power that's just like a constant on outlet and i couldn't you know then walk over to that and turn it on and then after i turn everything off walk over to that piece of equipment and turn it off i i that was a fallback i really kind of wanted the thing touchless kind of bulletproof and you know the second reason for that is is the with this cartoon theater specifically i really see this as kind of an expo type thing it takes up a little space and i'm not sure how much use it'll actually have in my game room so you don't you don't know what goes on at the expos i know that uh, the shows I've been to, when the show is over or for the day, the organizers will, will roll through and they'll flip the breakers and they'll shut the roads. I mean, it's it's yeah. like something they do quick. Yeah, they it, have to. It's, otherwise, it's a, it's a brute force operation. You, and you have to do that. Otherwise, people will be there. You will never get the venue empty mm-hmm. for, and, to, and, and close yeah, for the very evening. Very true. Yeah, so, um, and I've also been at a show where there was a, a, a thunderstorm and we had power issues and everything blinked off and blinked on. So I I wanted something that basically was self-contained in a, like commercial equipment. And I it, you could I could walk away from it. And if somebody else kicked the, the power strip out of the wall or whatever, it, it didn't hurt it. I didn't have to worry about corrupting the operating system on the PC. So that's kind of where I was going with it, at least for this one this this one project that i was working on that's not to say that this power switch tail isn't something that'll come in handy for for me down the road so i'm definitely going to look at it and i appreciate you let me uh let me know about it um he also goes on to mention i understand the raspberry pi 2 will eventually support a free version of windows i kind of wanted to uh, from my side i I kind of wanted to dip back into the Linux world, but I know that that Windows made Whitney really, really happy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's where I've spent, you know, the bulk of my career. So, and, and, and I have to. It, I have to. Yeah, and it's neat to see that it'll be supported, you know, on, on that platform. So, yeah. You know, Danny, I kind of had to laugh at that. The day uh, I mentioned earlier in, in this episode that I had ordered a second pie so that I had something separate of the, the cartoon theater that I could work on. And uh, uh, the day that I received that, I'd actually gotten an email on my phone uh, showing me that it had been delivered. And within minutes, a friend of mine had come around the you know, cube wall and he said, hey, I know you're doing that pie stuff. Did you know that the new Raspberry Pi 2 is available? And I went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he and, saw, it, and it's going to run Windows. Yeah, How it's going to run Windows. How about that? Like, Dang it. Yeah. I just bought it. <laughs> just bought it. Another one. <laughs> so, but anyway, Danny, you know, I appreciate it. And uh, I will definitely, definitely look into that. Yeah. 
So our next email comes from uh, Daniel, and he's uh, Daniel lives in Chicago, and he uh, is ear blast on Clav. And Brenna, I'll say this: Daniel and I have talked back and forth about you know a couple of the reproduction projects that we've mentioned here on the show, and Daniel was one of the lucky individuals who uh, who procured and, and uh, was able to get one of the the Mappy reproduction marquees. So he knows that I had one that I've gotten one of those as well. So uh, you know we both have Mappies, and we've kind of been talking talking that a little bit back and forth and he says you know guys i have not really been in i I hadn't really been into the pinball side until you know starting to listen to you guys and start you know getting the enthusiasm rolling and so he has since picked up two pinball machines brent he has picked up a escape from the lost world and a xenon okay and so and he's done this uh, fairly recently as well so we've been talking about that but Daniel wrote in and uh, and he goes, hey guys, I forgot uh, that I was going to write you all and tell you about this. He goes, since acquiring my Xenon, I've been doing a lot of research on the machine and I've run across this. He goes, this is the person that did all the sound, the the, the digital um, audio for in uh, the voices and everything like that for Xenon, did all the sound work for Xenon. And there's going to be a movie made on her career. And he gives us a link uh, to the Kickstarter, and so we'll have that in, in the short in, in the show notes. But this, um, Brent, this documentary, and for everybody listening, this documentary is about a, a woman by the name of Suzanne. Uh, Cian, I think it's Ciani or Ciani. I'm not really sure how that's pronounced, but. If you go out and look at the Kickstarter page, it it is over with. The drive is done. But the reason why this is still really relevant is because the the Kickstarter page is a wonderful source, uh, almost like a condensed um, (laughs) uh, bibliography of her and her career and everything that she has has done and what the film is going to cover. And there's a a couple of videos. Um, There's one even with her making an appearance on the Dave Letterman show, it looks like early in her career. uh, and it's the video is about four minutes long, um, and it looks like the the movie is going to be delivered in its entirety uh, January 2016, somewhere in that time frame. So you know, Brent, um, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of Kickstarter. I've I've backed several projects on Kickstarter. I, I really like the idea. And I love documentaries. And this is, even though this is not going to be quote unquote arcade related, or I guess arcade centric, it is arcade related. And um, and I, I just think it's going to be a really really neat topic. And it's something that I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for. And I, I just think it's cool that her career is going to be recognized like this. You know, that's a perfect example of of some of the other work that goes on behind the scenes and the games that we all know and love. I know a lot of folks like in the pinball world, they focus on the designer. Yes. And not necessarily, you know, the artist or the sound work. I know, or, I know. And it, I something here related, but not. I, I happen to notice that Stern has just put out kind of a, a video trailer on YouTube for WrestleMania. Okay. And instead of, I need to go watch that. I haven't I, seen I, that. And I need, I, I need to watch all of it. Okay. I think it's like fourteen minutes. Well, they did one on Walking Dead where they talked to like almost everybody involved. Okay. In, in that pen. Now so I didn't. Hopefully, this is in the same vein. I didn't know they did that, but this seems to be in the same vein because yeah. it's it's a lot of uh, it's high energy music. It's it's yeah. a lot of like wrestling kind of yeah. like cutscenes. Yeah. But did inter- they talk to the coder? Did they talk yes. to, to the developers inter- and everything? In oh that, yeah. See, yeah. That's the same way the Walking Dead one is, and it's great. Yeah. Interspersed in that, like the. I, I watched maybe the first third of it and I this just popped in my mind I need to go back and watch the end of it I just time got away from me and I couldn't finish it up but they they did the 
I'm such and such, and I I program. I'm such that's, and such. That's and, the way the Walking Dead. And they had uh, uh, they had uh, helped me here. I just went blank. Jack, we've spoken to him. He's been on the show. Um, Chicago, uh, Jack, I'm sorry. Jack, Jack Benson. Jack yeah, Benson. Yeah. You know, so I'm Jack, you Brent, mine like a steel trap, buddy. man. I am. I am. I'm coming apart, I'm t- Whitney. I'm t- like a steel trap. These last couple shows, man, you've been carrying my water in huge buckets. <laughs> I won't have to get you. What did we say at the, at the very beginning, man? It's a team, dude. You know, well, so that's the way this, that it goes. This, this part of the team is is not doing real well. I am falling apart, oh, buddy. Man. So yeah, for example, I'm Jack Benson, and I am a programmer, and I do or yeah. I, I, how, however he said Th- this it. This is my part of the game. Yes, this is exactly. what I'm responsible for on so the game. That's yeah. how they started the 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 video and then they got to john john trudeau and then i'm john trudeau and i i designed such 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 so as they go through the video they come back to these individuals and those individuals talk a little bit more about what they do and then there's some kind of comical quips from them kind of just cut in there as well and it was very nicely produced yeah, yeah. I, i've got to get back and watch the rest of it yeah, but looks it's like fun it's a perfect or sounds like fun right? it's a perfect example of what you know there's there's more that goes on behind the scenes and when you when you were talking to me about about susan and i'm not sure about the last name either cni or Siani or Siani. i don't know i don't know uh i apologize for that too i just it's what we do in kentucky we just butcher stuff yeah. left and right dude we do <laughs> i mean the it's name, part of our vernacular is to butcher stuff uh i we, i, I kind of it my ears perked up and I think it's Siani. Yeah. And and then I said, did she do Xenon? And, of course, yeah, that's that was part of what Whitney yeah. and I discussed. She did yep. do Xenon. I have actually seen her on one of those, like, those modern Marvels type, you know, TV type documentaries. You know, like, Modern Marvels is a good one where they'll do, like, tech of the 60s yeah, or yeah. they'll do... A gaming tech or how well, candy bars are made yeah. you know something like that well yeah. it was it was one of those type shows and, and the i the the main theme of the show was um d- like digital audio and how audio has changed and uh, that sounds kind of cut and dry kind of like a almost like a boring topic but the show was done very well and it was done like in the vein of a modern marvels or like a history t- channel type show and they were pulling samples of everything from just like digital sound like would have might have been a bleep or a boop like from a pong and it wasn't gaming related per se you know they uh, memory serves they got into like your midi music instrumentation and you know like uh your 80s bands where it was all synthesized that it was kind of that that progression of audio well a section of it talked about um the speech in like uh, consumer electronics and gaming yeah. and she was she was there she was there and she yeah. was kind of key in it and they were showing her doing sound work for xenon yeah it's it's neat it's so. neat to see to see her actually do the call outs of the game and then it comes out as what you hear in the game yeah when you, you know? hear the voice in the game it's it's her voice it's, it's her voice it's her there's, voice there's no doubt about it so well whitney let's uh roll in a little bit here to uh, some other feedback and it looks like we've got a couple pieces of feedback or or ratings if you will on itunes yeah yeah and uh, forgive me, I'm going to probably make this worse than normal because I'm going to try to read a, kind of a small font. But Big Burner 1977 iTunes user, and it looks like, man, we got five stars from him. Yeah. That's, yeah. Or we're, her. We're rolling. Yeah, we got five stars. That's awesome. <laughs> so I don't know if I could ever have an arcade myself, but love to listen to these guys talk about the machines. Uh, uh, let's just stop there. Let's just <laughs> let's just bask in that for a moment. <laughs> 
all the goodness that is that. I love huh? to listen yeah. to these guys. Yeah. Oh, man. He, I, somebody need. God so, love you. Somebody's on my Christmas card list <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, uh, Talk about these machines and how much they enjoy the titles. The hobby might be too expensive for me, but I can enjoy listening about the hobby. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me tell you this, man. If it, I know it can sound expensive, but I, I truly think that this is a hobby that you can participate in at many finance at many levels of finances yeah if that makes sense that's true i I don't think that's a very properly structured sentence but you know what i'm where i'm going it's tiered it's tiered yeah if you want to if you want to get into mame and get a uh you know a mame going on your pc and maybe step up into an x arcade stick so you've got some actual arcade type controls that's that's a way to get in and enjoy it and maybe you know take that and go to some expos and get your hands on some actual hardware and play hey that's that's the next level and maybe you know down the road that might kind of work its way into getting your own machine you know if you haven't listened to 10 pence arcade or no quarter those two podcasts uh give those a listen they they do what they do they, they'll do like game reviews people will suggest games to them and they'll play the games for a week and they'll review the game and talk about it and kind of have like a little in, informal high score contest they do it in mame and uh, uh i believe they're all doing it now or the the majority of them are doing it with the x arcade sticks yeah, so yeah there's four four guys between the two podcasts and i think all four of them are using an x arcade stick yeah and they're using a pc that they have <laughs> yeah, exactly so, so very low very low barrier of entry on that uh and you know it, i know itunes is kind of apple centric so if you just take the leap and say you're an apple user uh the no quarter guys they 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 do it on apple yeah, yes they do they so. do it on max that's exactly right yeah so our, our next piece of uh, feedback on itunes is from um it looks like mr blick okay and mr blick has to say um he, he goes on and says he goes a fun and informative podcast about classic arcade games and modern pinball machines uh brent and whitney really dig deep or dig in deep on the topics they're discussing and have given me multiple ideas on projects and mods They've also convinced me to purchase and rebuild a cocktail arcade ca- a cocktail arcade cabinet. I never miss an episode. So, Mr. Blick, we we appreciate that. And uh, Big Burner 1977, we appreciate your feedback as well. And Brent, I, you know, I'll say this real quick before it you know before it bolts out of my head. You know, we we ask for iTunes feedback because it, it helps the ratings of the show and everything, and we thank everybody who has done that. We've got a lot more iTunes feedback that we're gonna that we're, we're gonna have to space out over the next three or four shows because if we just sit here and read every single one of them, it would we we'd be another hour, you know. And and I don't want to don't want to bore everybody with that, but at the same point. It I do want I do want to call call out the people that are contributing and thank them for it, and it's really neat to see what they write. It might be boring to listen to, but I think it'd be hilarious just to listen to me continue to try to read. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. I can I can fair, public speak fairly well uh-huh. when I'm not saying um and ah and like. <laughs> you know forking my sentences off but reading is a whole other level of, exactly. of entertainment it is it is especially when you're like pinching and zooming on yep. the tablet and everything and your eyes yeah you're you're chasing your your fingers all over the place so yeah so that's some itunes feedback and like we say we thank everybody who who's doing that and we will we'll, we'll get through all of that uh you know over the next uh, over the next several episodes because like i say fortunately there's there is a good a fair bit to go through so that's neat so, so brent let's talk about facebook yeah. i mean it's been on fire for you yeah, man facebook has been very very active uh we've noticed that 
uh, our likes are going up and we really really appreciate that again like with itunes it helps kind of get us out there to get not just us out there you know this we've discussed this in the past this isn't a venture where um, you know, we're going to be millionaires. We're going to be the next Facebook. <laughs> no, dude. No, the only thing that this show does is cost me money because I buy in time. All this, in, in, time. In, in time. But we enjoy yeah, it. Oh, yeah. It's a ton of fun. It's it, a ton of fun. But when, we, when you go out and buy all the new parts, it, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> wow. How about that? We, we, it's, it's nice to know that people are listening. Yes, we, it's, we love that. It's awesome when we, when we help somebody out, even yeah. if we don't know that we, you know, so people have come up to us and hey I heard this on this episode which was months ago and it helped me do this or finish that or find this and man that's great that's yeah, why we're doing it it is it's fine man so we've it's had a lot, a lot of, of face uh, Facebook feedback as of late uh, on on the things that we posted you know keep an eye on our Facebook page we've got things that we kind of do between the show uh, on Facebook we've got albums that, that kind of detail the projects we're talking about oh, and yeah. you know specifically like right now I'm looking at the the cartoon theater album uh that i've got and you know it but hopefully by the time this airs i should have the rest of the series of photos with the completed theater up there i whitney the other day i was looking for some stuff on on a pc and i actually found the pictures of the theater the day i got it oh no nice. i was loaded on the trailer to bring it home so yeah. i have to put those in here as well oh, cool but i've had a lot of folks reach out to me on facebook and um uh, james hale reached out and he uh, he sent me a, a link to uh, Billy7.net, where that I believe his name is Billy. He he actually has a garage full of these theaters. And <laughs> my God, yes, yes, Whoa. he he had come across an operator that that operated him back in the day, and then had held on to him, and he had the opportunity to buy him, so he did. So James knows I was talking a little bit about the uh, the projectors, so he sent me some information on that as well. Uh, thanks a lot, James. Uh, Dan Brackett has reached out, and just and this was just a memory. This was really cool. And Dan said, "I remember going to a chain store called Mays that had one of these." And I asked, uh, you know, Dan where that was, and it was in Portage, Indiana. He said it was back in the late seventies, early eighties, and yeah. he said that's Mays is long gone by now. Yeah. But when he saw the theater, he remembered it. Well, and it, it brought it, back memories. Do you remember um, a, a chain called Roses by any chance? I remember the not, not here in town. Yeah. I, I do remember. I think there were still a few Rose stores where my grandparents moved yeah. down in Florida. Well, we we had we did have them here in Kentucky. Did we? Okay, there, there was one in Shelbyville at one point, and they they had one of those booths. Although I would walk by it and never get in it, but I, I just knew that it was there. So, and then even um, I think it was big. Ca- uh, no, no, no. It's yeah, it was Big K, which was the precursor to Walmart. I remember one in Frankfurt had a Wizard of War, an Asteroids Machine, a Miss Pac-Man in an upright pole position, and they had one of those cartoon booths at the other end of the vestibule when you oh, walked in. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, sure enough. We'll, we'll have to put... Uh, James had uh, given or kind of reposted the, the Billy 7 link back to the Facebook page, and we'll have to put that in the show notes again. Billy has a series of photos, mainly black and white, of these theaters in stores and in malls from back in the day. That's awesome. And it's not just seeing the theater, but just seeing the mall back yeah. in the day. What I mean, it, it's what it looked like. It, it's kind of cool, yeah. but um, yeah. So I, I really appreciate all the feedback, and you know, I'll 
we'll keep putting stuff out there. Yeah. Keep oh, checking, yeah. keep checking Facebook. Well, Twitter, Twitter is uh, also been been rolling on, and it's it's pretty neat because the conversations just uh, are are just all over the place, and that's that's what I think is so so fun about Twitter. And speaking of helping somebody, Brent, it looks like um, Vic is a listener over in the UK, and of course uh, the Ten Pence uh, Arcade, the Ten Pence Arcade, and Vic tweeted, he goes. So I guess this this will qualify under the help category, Brent. Vin go, uh, Vin, uh, I'm sorry, Vic goes on to say, I've got to paint some effing doors tomorrow, and at least the broken token dudes will be with me in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> so we're helping Vic get through some door painting. And I, I did respond back to him, and I said, I hate those effing doors as much as you do, man. You know, so it was it was funny. But yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thank you, Vic. Appreciate it, man. And it uh, looks like Mike Martin tweeted us, and he says, I got my... Re- uh, restoration stickers in the mail and it looks like he's got a uh, oh, uh man there's man. a selection of like reproduction uh, fcc stickers and, and id plates and you know your fbi warnings you know the stickers that you usually see on the back of games yeah and uh and i don't know what that is in the upper right hand corner whitney that almost looks like i don't know if those are fuse block stickers or what they I are i don't know what those are but well, i can i can see the atari logo stickers like for your um uh, that has like your game part number on it. He's got a couple Centuri stickers yep. there. I just kind of blowing this up a little bit and uh, looking at it, a Gottlieb sticker, probably for a Cubert or something. But this is um, it, and this is listener Mike Martin, and uh, Mike got these from uh, a Clov member that goes by the handle of uh, Etienne. And Etienne is, uh, I th- man, Brent, I don't, I don't want to misspeak it, but I, I know he's not here in the U.S. I don't, I don't know if it's, oh, man, I don't know if it's Norway or Sweden or exactly where he is. And I, I've, P- I've PM'd with Etienne before. I want to get a bunch of these stickers as well. He does them in batches, mm-hmm. and they're metallic stickers. Yep. So you've kind of got to get your order in because he'll like make sure that you get the proper serial number on the sticker oh, and wow. the model number and everything like that. I mean, dude, this is like true, you know, reproduction type of type of stickers it's and it just looks to be impeccable so just just looking at them neat neat stuff just look at them in the picture they're beautiful yeah yeah they are and i have seen uh i've seen them before like pictures and other threads and he from what i've seen he does great work yeah so so twitter brent like i say has been has been rolling on pretty good we thank everybody and i just want to make a, a a quick note about this before we you know get ready to close out the show and talk about upcoming events and everything but um you know brent just like in this month alone i mean there's there was like well over 60 60 some odd interactions on twitter and that's i mean that boils down to you know a couple two or three a day sometimes and you know it's really almost too much to mention here but you know i'll give a special you know call out to you know uh followers ty Laurie, john davies sean o'shea vic marlin supersonic brewing i mean those guys have just really been really been active and have really been interacting and you know i definitely thank Thank you for definitely thank you guys for for doing all of that. I've so said it's this neat for, stuff. I've said this for months. I have got to get on the Twitter wagon. You got, you got, got to get on the tweeting stuff, man. I, failing, <laughs> continue to fail. Oh, it's all good, man. It's all good. But yeah, yep. Everybody, just uh, just keep it going, and we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it rolling on our side too. All right, so Whitney, so what is coming up? Where are we going to be? Well, Brent, we, you know, as everybody knows, we're going to be at Louisville Arcade Expo uh, just here in, what, three weeks now as of this recording. So that's uh, March 6th through the 8th, 2015. 
Ramada Plaza Hotel here in our very own Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, you can get more information by going to www.arcaderx.com and follow them on Twitter at ArcadeRx. Yeah, check out ArcadeRx.com if you want. Uh, there's uh, uh, rates for show, for rooms for the show. The, the hotel and the venue, they're not physically connected, but they are about 50 feet apart. Yeah. So yeah, sure enough. Uh, it, it, it's very, very convenient. It's yeah. a nice, a good place to stay and then enjoy the show. And, of course, come over to the booth and say hi. Oh, yeah. We'd love to. The Texas Pinball Festival is March 27th through the 29th. 40,000 square foot game room. Uh, the Embassy Suites in Dallas, Frisco Hotel and Conference Center, Frisco, Texas. Yeah, so, I would love to go to that thing at some point, but it's just not in the cards this year. Yep. Uh, the Texas Pinball, uh, it's not the, I'm sorry, TexasPinballFestival.com. Yeah. And, uh, and then the next one we've got here on the list, Brent, is the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Uh, it's going to be June 15th. Uh, I'm sorry, June 2015. Uh, and you can get more information on that at uh, www.southernfriedgameroomexpo.com, and we'll have a little more info on that as we get closer and more of the schedule is confirmed. So right now, um, Preston and Patrick and Shannon and uh, Dana and Joel, they're, they're announcing some of, the, uh, some of the speakers, I guess, some of the panel uh, attendees that are going to be there. But uh, like I say, this is February, and that's June, so there's, there's still more to come on that. But definitely looking forward to going back uh, to Atlanta for the sophomore year. Yeah, absolutely. Look for the Broken Token guys when you're down there. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll we'll be down there and around. So looking forward to looking forward to that show as well. So Whitney, where can you hear us? Well, Brent, um, one thing I, I do want to make note of, oh. and uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, just no, re- just here real quick before we get into the whole iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Xbox and all that is I do want to give a special shout out to the Throwback Network. That's been a recent ad, and uh, you can find uh, the Throwback Network at ThrowbackNetwork.net. And that is uh, that is a um, almost almost an aggregation type of service run by Rob O'Hara from the You Don't Know Flack podcast. And Rob does a, a fantastic job, and he has uh, he has really kind of handpicked a lot of retro topic and retro gaming, retro lifestyle podcasts, and uh, aggregates all the episodes into into that feed. And uh, man, Brent, I have found several new podcasts that I listen to uh, are just kind of starting to pick up just just you know by looking at that network feed alone so really really good stuff I've picked the up, throwback network I've picked up several as well yeah so happy to be a part of that uh, of course you can find us on iTunes and you know please leave a review for us we talked about this a little bit uh, a little bit earlier where the review helps get us noticed a little bit more oh, yeah. it helps get us uh, a little higher ranking and get gets us the name out there and gets us in front of other folks and you know again we're we're looking to you know share whatever we've learned and you know maybe bring some new stuff to uh, new people to the hobby and and bring new hobby related things to the people that are already out there in it Exactly, and we can also be found on uh, Stitcher Radio and Xbox Music as well. And um, I'm I'm hoping that we can announce here within the next couple of months uh, a couple more, uh, I guess, like the better term, network expansion. So there's a couple more aggregators that I've kind of got uh, have have been told about, and uh, just doing some research about them and seeing you know if the fits right. So hopefully there'll be a little bit more to announce there uh, at some point soon. And of course, look for us on Facebook www.facebook.com slash broken token we uh we put a lot of stuff up on facebook where uh things that we're doing things that we find 
uh, new things kind of going on, announcements. So there's always something new going on on the Facebook page. Oh, yeah. And we can be found on Twitter at Broken Token and our website at BrokenToken.com. And with that, Whitney, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah, episode 23. It was great fun, Brent. I, I think uh, I think it'll be good information for uh, for everybody listening. And, uh, had a, dude, we had a good mix of arcade and pinball this show. I will say that. So I don't think we were too heavily slighted on one side or the other. So I think uh, I think our, I think our efforts <laughs> to keep it balanced is is working out a little bit better what do you think well, you know I, I know we've been a little uh pinball heavy yeah and there's been a lot of new arcade stuff coming about so yeah. maybe this will be the summer of the arcade game the video <laughs> exactly, game exactly exactly so yeah so with that we'll go ahead and close out the show we thank everybody for listening and game on Congratulations, you made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BrokenToken and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash BrokenToken. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at BrokenToken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Letzi. And that's me. <laughs> Music for the Broken Token Podcast, graciously provided by Hayseed hey Dixie. Head over to their website at www.hayseed-dixie.com for videos, tour dates, merchandise, and to purchase music. Maybe I can do something with a Raspberry Pi or something. <laughs> exactly. When I, hit, when I hit record, it'll yeah. reach out and it'll yeah. start spinning a light. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Oh, it could turn the light on in yeah. the high speed. Th- then that would be that would be the bomb. Except it makes noise when it spins. It goes. Yeah. Well, Whitney, we're back. No, that sucked. No. <laughs> All right, we got, we have to come up with new and innovative ways of starting the show. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Failure.